millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the Cult Popcher podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. Hey everybody, what's up? It's AJ up here at the top of the episode. Uh, you are listening to the most disappointing films of 2018, our annual podcast where we wrap up the year of film by talking about all of the films that came out that we saw, but specifically focusing on which ones disappointed us the most. This is something we've done every year. So there was actually the, the first ever episode of Cult Popshire, the Cult Popshire podcast, was the most disappointing films of 2015. And so this is the 2018 version of that. However, something's a little different this time. If you've listened to these shows uh, before, you'll know that our yearly wrap-ups tend to run a bit long, and so in an unprecedented display of lack of self-control, uh, we've actually split this up into two episodes. So you are listening to part one, where we talk about most of the films that we mentioned on our most anticipated films of 2018 podcast, which we did at the start of 2018. So we'll be referring back to that episode and sort of... Uh, reflecting on what we thought films were going to be like at the time and seeing how they are now um and then tomorrow uh i think it's going to come out tomorrow will be the second part we haven't actually recorded it yet um the second half of uh the this episode it'll be the most disappointing films of 2018 part two and in that episode we'll mostly be focusing on films that we didn't even talk about in the most anticipated so films that were kind of a surprise um so look forward to that uh there will be spoilers for most of the films we talk about in this episode and if you're precious about that which uh, in the episode we talk about spoilers quite a bit and how uh it, it, you should be precious about it and if that is the case then feel free to go to the show notes below and look at the time codes for when we talk about each film uh other than that i've got nothing else to say other than enjoy this episode hello and welcome to uh our most disappointing films of 2018 list um which is bit of a, a weird title because we're not here to just talk about most disappointing we're here basically just to wrap up the year's films mm. and talk about all the ones we saw well the thing is is that every podcast does a yearly wrap up and they've all got to figure out a way to make theirs different so this is us making ours different by being like yeah it's, it's about what disappointed us yeah. And paradoxically, this podcast is actually my most anticipated podcast of the year. Wow. But you know, it's- and, and you're on and, it. And the most anticipated podcast of the year is his most disappointing podcast <laughs> of the year. That's true. I mean, it never lives up to the expectations. No. Yeah. Um, 
Well, so yeah, we're gonna. We last year at the start of this time last year, roughly, we did a most anticipated films of 2018 list. Uh, so I'm gonna go through. Uh, we're gonna go through all of the films that we spe- spoke about on that, plus some extra ones that we saw, and um, talk about. Did we see them? What do we think? Did they disappoint mm. us? Did they surprise us? Or did they did they whelm us? Were we whelmed yeah. by them? Not over or under. And uh, yeah, so uh, as always, I'm joined by Alexander Jones, Hello. aka AJ, the and age. our um, resident guy we get on when we do big list. Um, <laughs> A resident disappointed person is uh, Jeremy Vargo. Jeremy, thank oh, you. Hey guys, I'm really hey, really hey. disappointed with you all. Hey, and for those listening, um, if you haven't seen the time code of this episode yet, um, or the duration of it, uh, strap in, because these are always like our, our longest ones. Um, strap on, guys. <laughs> strap on. Good stuff. Um, it's 9.21am, uh, which is earlier than we usually record and earlier than I usually get up at any point in the year. So uh, let's try and make it wild, boys. Let's try get to the bottom of why these films were disappointing let's answer questions that no one's asking hmm. that's okay. what a good podcast does it's yeah. actually a really good strap line for cult pop show yeah <laughs> um okay so uh yeah this is essentially our sequel to the um most anticipated so let's let's Go back to that and uh, revisit. So mm. uh, I remember we spoke for like three hours on the most anticipated, but we um, we cut out a couple of films at the start. So we started with Shape of Water, which obviously went on to a best picture. Uh, feels like so long ago now, but what, what did you guys think of that? I feel uncomfortable talking about a 2017 movie, even though we saw it in 2018. Uh, it's, it's New Zealand release dates, guys. Just get comfortable. Mm, but who's looking for a hot take on Shape of Water? We already we did talk about it on our Oscars episode, but my oh, I, I wasn't yeah. there. So we, you already know AJ's in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Jeremy, what did you think? Well, I, I I ended up only watching it like middle of the year, so it's a little bit fresher for me. Um, I was really excited about seeing it, and I think probably that expectation over over inflated uh what the movie could be um i was probably a little bit disappointed with it to be fair okay so that was I, your most disappointed <laughs> not my most <laughs> all right moving on yeah um, his most disappointed of 2018 yeah. was a 2017 film. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> listening back to what we said about it like i think that what i loved about it i said i said even if i don't like the movie it's always worth watching a guillermo del toro movie because it's always going to be such a distinct perspective and point of view and yeah. It was like it's absolutely gorgeous. His use of red and green um, as like thematic colors throughout the movie is just so well done. The um, you know just all of the production design is incredible. Uh, so it, it was definitely worth watching. I just found it. I just couldn't get over how like there was just weird elements that didn't stop being weird um, and didn't mm. stop being kind of creepy. And you're like, I'm, I don't know really if I'm okay with this. It doesn't yeah. feel like I I, I didn't get enmeshed in the story of this creature i didn't love him as much well no one loves him as much as she did but i didn't you know i didn't care about the creature as much as the the movie wanted me to care about him and i feel like that's a failure of of the film yeah okay i had a i had a drunk rant at a party at 2 a.m a few months back where i talked about how the fish man couldn't consent so that's my opinion of the film uh yeah i was also kind of disappointed but uh for more um hot takes from me and aj a year ago uh check out our oscar breakdown podcast 
Um, so then uh, the next couple of films we talked about, The Commuter and Downsizing. I don't think any one of us saw either of those. No. Or intended no. To. Um, so moving right along, another 2017 film, uh, but we released in New Zealand in 2018, is I, Tonya. Loved it. Loved yeah. it? Okay, cool. Um, and then we had um, Tad the Lost Explorer, The Secret of King Midas. Now, Which is a sequel. And AJ, I know you're excited about this film, mm. but you didn't watch uh, it? No, sadly not. I, I was so inundated with other films to watch this year, I didn't quite get to Tad the Lost Explorer, The Secret of King Midas, despite being a fan of the other uh, Tad the Lost Explorer movies. <laughs> All right, uh, another 2017, keeping this um, thing going. Uh, we've got Molly's Game. Oh, I watched, I, I bought it. I, I rented it on iTunes to yeah. watch with Moath. Um, and <laughs> we started watching it. Jimmy needed to go to bed. And so I didn't continue watching Who's it. I was Jimmy, like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll finish watching it later. And then just never really made time to watch the rest of it, which tells you pretty much exactly like, and then I, I talked to someone who had watched all of it and I said, this is where I left off. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, nah, nothing really happened from there. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much like her performance was great. There were some nice Sorkin dialogue moments. But overall, there's a reason why I, like they really pumped it as like an Oscar kind of movie. And it it did not at all live up to it. Hmm. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, another Oscar movie, Phantom Thread. I loved it. AJ was disappointed in it. Um, for more thoughts, check out our Oscar podcast. This is such um, a false start to the 2018 episode. It's like, um, all right, yeah, so what are we still we should, I should have um, run this podcast differently, but I'm not going to. Um, no, it's, I'm not criticising you. I'm criticising the um, New Zealand... Uh, what? Who's the people who choose when movies come out in New Zealand? That's who I'm the blaming. Studios, the bloody, Peter, the Peter bloody Jackson. studios. Roadshow Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, fuck um, Okay, and next we have an actual 2018 film. It was released on Netflix, um, and it was a futile and stupid gesture. This was on my most anticipated of 2018 list. <laughs> it was released on Netflix, and that was a futile and stupid gesture. <laughs> um, Very good. I was like, why are you making fun of me for looking forward to this film? Um <laughs> Yeah, because it's got the word "stupid" in the title, Richard. That means it's not good. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I, it probably would have, it probably would have sat higher in my um like year end ranking if it um, if it had come later, um, because it's just been so long since I've watched it. But um, yeah, actually, I really enjoyed this film. It was kind of exactly what I thought it would be, and I was very satisfied with it. Mm. I enjoyed it too. I think I thought it was better than I Tonya because they're both kind of got released here at the same time and we're both biopics so i naturally compared them and i thought <laughs> as the only person in the world to compare those two films yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, it's good it's good it's it's so it's about the it's about the national lampoon story yeah and i thought it was cool it's got some really good actors in it and they're all playing other more famous actors and they make no attempt to make you think that they're the same actors <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of charming about it there's something there's, there is something quite cool about watching like documentaries or biopics about something that you vaguely know about but have yeah, no exactly. expert knowledge in at all. Like you just, it's not like it's been in the news recently or anything. And so actually getting to explore something that you know actually happened and you have sort of, like you might have watched one of the movies when you're a kid, mm. but actually yeah, yeah. seeing content and, and finding out about a whole history that you just didn't even know about is just, it's that's, yeah, it's quite a cool yeah. thing. 
Mm. And then you go home and look on Reddit and find out that half it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so we'll probably breeze through the next three. Um, Fifty Shades Free, none of us saw it, I don't think. Uh, Loving Vincent, we all seemed really excited for this. Did anyone see it? (laughs) Although, no, I said, this looks great. I'm not going to go see it, but I'm glad this kind of movie gets made, which I think is the most dickish thing to say. It's like, (laughs) I'm really glad someone's finally making this movie, but I'm not going to support it with my money. Um, Jeremy, that's how my Facebook friends talk about cult pop So that's really interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I didn't see. I think my mum saw it and said it was real good. Yeah, um, my mum made me buy it on um, Mighty Ape for her. She was like, can I transfer your money and you buy this? Because she didn't want to sign up for Mighty Ape because it's another password to remember. (laughs) Just and I was like, the Mum, that's the oldest thing you've ever said. No, you know what? It is another password to remember, though. I agree with Maureen. I think <laughs> it is, if you've got access to someone else with an account, just use them. Um, and then uh, Mute. That was on. My, that was another Netflix film. That was on my most anticipated list. Uh, I didn't watch it. It was one of those movies that between when we spoke about it and when it came out, it got real bad reviews and I was yeah. like, it's not worth watching. That's awful. Th- this one got so bad reviews that it dipped below like Cloverfield Paradox and Holmes and Watson, which like I feel are the biggest, well, that wasn't very good movies of 2018, but Mute was so bad people just forgot to talk about it. Yeah, Mute is actually Duncan Jones's lowest rated film, which is impressive for the guy who made Warcraft. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that guy just made Moon and then he just like that. Oh, was- Source Code was good. All oh, right. Was Source Code the one with um, Ben Affleck? Judge No. All oh, right. Yep. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Source Code is good. A lot of people complain about the ending though, and I can see why, but I don't mind it. Um, all right. Next one. This will be a big one. AJ was not looking forward to this film at all um, because it looked to phase one. I'm talking, of course, about Black Panther. Now, AJ, why didn't you like this film? Um, why didn't I like how it was looking? Or no, no, like after seeing it, uh, why did it live up to your expectations? Yeah, because and you're a professional you about movies and your, pre, your pre-approval of a movie is essential for its success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, ca- I cannot be seen to go back on an opinion before I've seen a movie. Yeah. Like, that's weak. That's weak reviewing. Well, you're, um, you're a flip-flopper, AJ. You're a yeah, flip-flopper. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to vote yeah. for you. Yeah, you're a flip-flopper, AJ. Nobody wants to listen to your reviews no more. Um, <laughs> it was so I, John Mulaney, it wasn't even funny. <laughs> I was going for, like, 1950s news reporter, but I guess... Yeah, my, I, got, I, guess I, got the, it, I got 1950s news reporter. That is John like, Mulaney, though, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I, I now realise that that's the same voice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, look, to be a flip-flopper, um, I loved Black Panther. I, I was the opposite of disappointed by it. It was my favourite Marvel film of the year. Um, well, MCU film of the year. I liked a certain other Marvelish film a bit more, but um, Venom. I I thought this was the. <laughs> what did you say? Venom. All oh, right, yeah, it's Venom. <clears throat> no, I thought um, I thought Black Panther was dope, dude. I like I. Are you just saying dope in, because of the African American cast? I am. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I want to talk about Black Panther without being called racist. I should be able to Yeah, because because on the most anticipated podcast, we're all just trying to like... Out-racist call each other. Yeah, like Mm. we're we're both trying to make everything the other person says look racist. Like if you have any opinion about this film, it's because you're Mm. racist. Yeah. Well, I'll say what I liked about it. Um, I thought 
it's the only Marvel movie in recent memory that's really like got something to say, which I thought was really cool. Like it's it's got an interesting message, which not all of them necessarily need, yeah. and you know most of them don't have. Um, I I think I I did say it looked too Phase One before I saw it, but I think that's actually what's special about it is that this year um, we're we're in a very interesting time, like a land a interesting landscape for superhero yeah, films because. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nine thirty. It's the nine thirty AM of life for superhero films, um, and I think that you've you're getting things that need to stand out by being different now. Um, you know, you've got your like Thor Ragnarok was a straight up comedy, and Into the Spider Verse was like this crazy animated thing, and um, Deadpool is like real super meta and stuff, and even Infinity War like is. You know, it's it's a big, massive event crossover thing. So it yeah. even that is a bit different from just your standard superhero fair. <clears throat> but this year we got uh, Black Panther, we got Venom, and we got Aquaman. All three of which I would say were real by the books, like comic book superhero movies. And like Black Panther is easily the best one of those three. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I th- I just thought it was great. I thought it, it took it seriously. It took. Being a superhero seriously for the first time in years, and it it aced it. And I thought that like, I think I think it's my it's definitely my favorite MCU villain. Um, they used to get a lot of shit about having bad villains, and then they made this one. And when you watch a film and you find out that the the basic the basic plot is that like this secret African society have all this you know technology. When I heard that in the film, I was like, so why didn't they do anything to like? you know, help the the plight of African-Americans in, in America. Or just and the plight that, of Africans in Africa. Yeah, sure, yeah. And then that was the bad guy's motivation. So I sympathized with, with Killmonger before I found out what Killmonger believed. And I was like, that's a really good villain. Yeah, then. totally. Like, that's, and I, that's, a, that's a, uh, you know, a calling card of a I really th- good villain. I think the thing that, um, the reason why it's such a good movie, um, and I, I don't think you sort of, you're quite nailing, like what makes it a good superhero movie i think the best thing about a superhero movie is that it introduces you to a new world um and yeah it introduces you to a new world of possibilities you know first of all with a single character but also you get introduced to a whole yeah just a whole different universe and so the the introduction of wakanda as like a fully formed society with like all this different tech, all these different ways of like being and treating each other, um, you know, new architecture, new, like it's just, it was just absolutely incredible. And the whole design of it and everything was just so beautifully formed. Yeah. Um, which, which makes it exciting to spend time in that, in that film universe. And I think that's For something sure. that's really missing from a lot of the other Marvel universes that basically it's just kind of like oh it's just like real life but with like a single person who's different and has different powers whereas black panther it was like come into this world and spend an hour and a half to two hours here and you really wanted to do it yeah Yeah, i think um one thing that uh was a good choice is that like um black panther is the least interesting character in the movie yeah which was really cool um and (laughs) like it's it's one of those things like um I guess they saw that like rather than trying to make him really interesting, they're like, you know, let's let's bring everyone else, which makes him look better in comparison. Um, but yeah, like something like Superman, 
is needs the same thing. You need to really beef up those supporting characters because Superman's kind of a boring character. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, Zack Snyder, you can learn a thing or two from Ryan Coogler. Yeah, Zack. You freaking idiot. One thing I really loved as well is this the different the different forms of power and authority that were present in the film. So you had different sure. characters who had their, they carried their own well mana really like um and and the actors who portrayed them you know it's really really different. So like um the, I can't remember her name but the char- the sister character who was the inventor like she oh, had her yeah, own genius right. and then you had like the the woman who was the head of the the guard like she was incredible. Um, and they, they just all had, you know, like you say, like a really beautiful cast of interesting characters that were very yeah. distinct from one another and had something different to offer the story. It was mm, great. Yeah. And also because of the cultural importance of it as well, they were able to get some really strong yeah. um, actors there. So, yeah. Uh, Black Panther, not disappointing, I think. Not at all. <laughs> On my, actually, the only um, MCU film to make my top 10 list this year. Mm. which I might, I'm not necessarily going to reveal at any point in this podcast, but you can find it on my letterbox. Yeah, if you so look up our uh, letterboxed. Yeah, I'll put links to them in the, in um, the show yeah, notes. Yeah, AJ and I ranked every film we saw this year. Wow. Um, okay, next we had Lady Bird. Again, um, check out our podcast on, on the Oscars. If you didn't know anybody, you'd think Lady Bird was another um, like Marvel movie because yeah. it's right on this list. It's right under Black Panther. Yeah, <laughs> Ant Man, The Wasp, and Lady Bird. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked it. AJ was slightly disappointed in it, but still liked it from memory. It's it's not that I was disappointed in it. It's that it's a hard movie for me to get into because it's it prioritizes certain elements over story, which right. is what that my like primarily <laughs> my way that I tap because into it prioritizes movies. the experience of teenage girls over story, and yeah. I couldn't get into that. Look, I was a teenage girl, and it wasn't anything to write home about, so. All right. Um, Okay, next after that, we spoke very briefly about a film called Game Night. We were just like, Game Night, you guys know about this one? Yeah, it looks real dumb. Anyway, moving on. Um, I saw it in in the cinema, because I was like, I was deathly ill in um, in Australia, and I was like, no, we have to get out of the house. And then so- I need to spread my germs in a public place. Went to the movies, and we're like- Oh, this this comedy apparently it's like actually pretty funny. It was like, uh, uh, like it was, and uh, of the comedies of the year, it was probably the best film. It's the best mm. like film that's also a comedy. Maybe it wasn't necessarily the funniest one, but yeah. Um, the the th- like it's so rare to see like a studio comedy that's so well made and it's got so much care taken into like the crafting of mm. it. And it's like right. these two directors that really understand the language of film had a lot of fun with it and a lot of fun with how to use visual storytelling to add to the humor because like if you watch this with the sound off you'd think it was a thriller because of the way it's shot and it's like yeah. it's it's so refreshing That's to awesome. see that yeah aj what do you think yeah yeah highly recommend game night um if you're into um the type of comedies that don't that don't really like make a lot of noise anymore um you know what i mean like like, cause, cause people, I've seen people rank, like, what was your favorite comedy of the year? And like the top ones, like Deadpool two. And it's like, I guess, but if you're wanting, like, if you go to the video shop in 1999, like Deadpool's going to be under like action. This is going to be under comedy. And if you love classic comedies that they used to make 10 years ago ish, then this is one of the best examples of that I've seen in a long time. It's just a fun movie with a fun concept with great characters. Mm. It's exciting. It's thrilling. Um, it's, and not only is it, did it 
was it not stupid? It's like a type of movie I would I would be honored to work on. Yeah. You know, it's it's like totally my sense of and, humor and totally my like kind of thing. Yeah, also uh, like a fantastic performance from Jesse Plemons, um, mm. who was Todd in Breaking Bad. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but um, he plays like this neighbor character. And um, they do this thing where, like, he's never saying anything particularly, like, sinister or menacing, but he says it in this, like, like menacing monotone, and every single time he talks, the camera just ever so slightly, like, pushes in towards him, and it's so funny, and it's like, yeah. he's just saying, like, oh, do you want to, like, come over to my house? I'm having a game night, but it's, like, <laughs> terrifying. It's so funny. So it's, like, that, that thing about using the language, the yeah. visual language of cinema to, like, do a misdirect, which adds to the comedy. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. I think this might be my most disappointing film because I didn't see it. Yeah. Because I, I, I really <laughs> wanted to see it and multiple times. And like then I think at least three friends were like, oh, no, I saw it on a plane and it wasn't that good. Like, don't bother. Don't I, bother I renting it. It's like, because, yeah, like I said, it's not the funniest comedy of the year. So, well, it's not the film that made me laugh the most this year. But I. Um, it's an enjoyable film. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot more out of it if you like understand the language of film right. as well and, and understand these people would not have yet. yeah okay. like if you can understand why a film looks like a thriller <laughs> these friends of mine are stupid <laughs> well to, to put sort of put imagery to what you're saying richard one of the things that's really cool about it is that because it's so it's it's this i'm not we won't really spoil it but the the basic premise of it is it's about a couple who like got together because of their love of board games and quizzes and stuff Mm. and so this the like scene transitions or like the in-between moments and like at one point it does an establishing shot of their neighborhood but it it goes over it like the camera's like panning over this massive suburb and it kind of looks like a game of risk or monopoly like like, tilt shift yeah, yeah, it does a lot of stuff like that where it where like establishing shots look like a game board That's really and cool. stuff yeah, like that. They, so, they live in, so it's got stuff like that. Yeah, in they it. live yeah. in a cul-de-sac and like the, there's kind of a um, like a roundabout, I guess, at the end of it, and it's um, coloured like the game of life. Oh, that's awesome! But um, like, there's so much yeah, yeah. like like things like that, and it's it's again you can tell that the directors were like stylistic decisions. Yes, yeah, so they're making these yeah, things, making and it's it. like there's re- like mm. uh, there's a scene from the trailer where um, Jason Bateman gets shot in the arm, and she's got a pull it out and it's like they're playing operation you yeah. know like they yeah, don't yeah. They, they never reference it but like if you look through the film they're like oh this scene's operation this scene's kind of jenga this scene's like yeah, um yeah. and so the guys that made that they wrote spider-man homecoming and they're now directing uh the flash movie oh, yeah. flashpoint um so yeah that like having seen game night actually got me more excited for flash yeah um <laughs> right, definitely so- one to, to watch out for yeah. Uh, next up, a film I didn't see, but I hear you guys have a couple of things to say about, is Tom Brader. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom Brader. Tomb Raider. <laughs> oh, um, Tomb Raider, like, yeah. I'm what? Jeremy's like, I didn't see this. <laughs> you know, Tom Brader. Um, no, yeah, Tomb Raider. We talk, we, The three of us actually did a video game podcast, um, a, well, a podcast on video game movies uh, right before this film came out. Um, and... Hey Jeremy, what did you think of Tom Brader? Oh man, I <laughs> I really really wanted to like this movie. Like, I, and it wasn't even a case of going in with high expectations. I went in with low expectations, but being like, "Come on, I, I you, if anyone can do it, guys, I think you can do it." Like, just <laughs> and it just oh, it like it just <laughs> fell flat at every opportunity, and like yeah. it just. I just didn't believe any of it. I thought that the like the final, you know, because the best thing about Tomb Raider 
is it's kind of like the the reason why um, National Treasure got a sequel is that there is just something about someone going and discovering like hidden layers to our world that like, you know, where there's like buried treasure or there's like, you know, different things that, you know, yeah. you can discover. Like when it starts in reality. Yeah, it starts in reality and then it just yeah. basically you dig down a bit and you, you know, open the right thing or you get the right key or something like that and you can unlock yeah. this amazing like world. The Dan Brown novels. Are yeah, yeah. And, and by the time they get to the unlocking of the other world stuff and, and you know, all the tr- hidden treasury cool stuff, it just all looks so much like a terrible Universal Studios set <laughs> that you just... <laughs> You just don't believe any of it and you're just not in the world. And that's the biggest, that's the reason why Indiana Jones succeeds is because by the time you get there, you're so in the world and you're like, look at that. Like, you know, uh, the last crusade, by the time they get to the, you know, the the whole room with all the um, chalices in it, you're just like, you fully believe that that could be behind the thing at Petra. Um, It's like a, it's a payoff to something that's been set up. Yeah, for the whole movie, and and, and just when yeah. you, oh man, like, and and I think just even the whole the legend behind it, the legend that they're going with is like this, you know, this Japanese queen that you know was the the harbinger of death, and it, and she discovers that in the end the queen was like actually buried there to protect everyone else because she had this like, oh, just just no, <laughs> was, it's just a big no from me. Yeah, they on my letterbox. Um, Tomb Raider is very clearly the film I've ranked that bridges the gaps between films that I liked but weren't that great to films that I didn't like. <laughs> like, yeah. it's very clearly in the middle. It's in between Rampage and Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. So if that gives you any indication. Wait, so which uh, Rampage is better than it? Ram- I thought Rampage was better than Tomb right, Raider. So, um, cool. I I thought, AJ, you were going to talk for longer, so I was like, sweet, here's an opportunity to cough. But I coughed over Jeremy saying, yeah, so do you just want to say, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, all right, next up, uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, which, AJ, you've never seen, you've famously never seen the first one. Um, famously. And in the most anticipated podcast, you said you'll go see this one. So what did you think? I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Oh. That's cool that you that you lied. Um <laughs> It is cool, eh? Lines real badass. <laughs> uh, I actually saw this movie like two days ago because uh, I was like, what, what else haven't I seen in 2018? And it's like knowing that, having no attachment to the first one, knowing this one was real bad, I was still disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, yeah, I have seen the first one and I'm famously on the fence about it um <laughs> like people care about it. notoriously opinions. indifferent um, yeah yeah people write write think pieces about it why are th- what's up with the cult pop show guys thoughts on pacific rim actually that being said the our conversation about pacific rim did actually feature on another new zealand podcast yeah, right, that, uh, last year called um premier quest what, premier quest um they they featured guys. our conversation about um Pacific Rim from the most anticipated of 2018 podcast we did, which is real interesting because their podcast, I think we mentioned it um, when, when we were featured on it, but their podcast is solely about Pacific Rim. Yeah. And they, they they made a podcast called Premiere Quest where they they watch Pacific Rim heaps and they try to get on, they try to get to the premiere of Pacific Rim Uprising. And knowing now that it bombed, I think, the sh- I think their show's still going. They still yeah. like our tweets. So, <laughs> presumably, <laughs> they're still talking about Pacific Rim. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you could probably give this one a skip. Mm. Uh, all right. Next up, uh, we had a movie which 
I think it's we've seen the trailer for, but it's called Blockers. Uh, so this is the John Cena comedy, and AJ, you said you weren't going to see it, but you said Jeremy, you'll be real into this, I reckon. Um, well, so our we had a power cut one day. And I was real bored, so because I just like I was off work for like two days, and the power was out for like forty hours. So um, I just went and saw Blockers, the latest John Cena comedy. I loved how you have all these anecdotes for why you went to see a movie that you didn't. Yes, think so was don't be judge good. me, guys. I was forced <laughs> no, to go but, to um, movies. The um, like as the light. So I got. I went and got the tickets. I was like, oh, it starts in like ten minutes. Lived close to the mall, so I went there. And then I got a text like as the lights went down, saying power's back on. <laughs> so if I just waited another five ten minutes, I would be fine. If anyone ever wonders why these movie, this, these podcasts about movies go for like two and a half hours. It's mm. not because we talk about movies for ages. It's because Fuck you, Richard that- talks about why he's gone to the movies. So Fuck long. you guys. That's an interesting. That's an interesting story. No, it is an interesting. I agree with you, Richard. I think part of what makes um, Cop Pop just special is, is the Minutiae the marriage of our, our everyday lives. The the marriage Fuck of our real guys. life experience with uh, the films we see. Shut up, Jeremy. So anyway, the reason I watched Blockers was because you guys were like, "Oi, Jeremy, you need to watch Blockers because it's." I reckon you'll have some opinions about it. Yeah. I didn't even because well, you have a fucking opinion about everything. <laughs> One time, when when me and Jeremy first became friends, I casually mentioned how much I I thought um getting socks too big for you were great because they made your feet warm, and Jeremy goes incorrect, <laughs> which is something I didn't know someone could have a, a like an on hand opinion about. I love- like. He- you answered it in a, in a way like you'd had the discussion before. By the way, and you this, weren't, weren't going to let me have it. Was this like literally when you first got to know me when you were like thirteen? Uh no, when when I would have been like nineteen, and you would have been when we actually became friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I love hearing stories about like from when my friends first like interacted with me because man I'm an arsehole in every single one of them and yet for some reason people still become my friends I've got oh, um, I've got so many like from when AJ and I first sort of met <laughs> that it was just like I was so like you're not better than me <laughs> with everything I, I can't remember what it was thinking about something the other day where it was like you said something and I was just like you can't be better than, like you're not because I, I always got the impression that you were like trying to one up me so I was like yeah, nah. Mm. Anyway, blockers. Um, um, okay, yes, yeah, so I saw. Uh, it was one of those movies that because it gets a really high percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty sure. Does it? Um, let me have a look. Um, but I think, um, yeah, I, I, I'd heard like it's actually a really good, like sex positive. It's great. Eighty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But oh my I, gosh. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it had some good moments and some surprisingly good performances in it. But I don't think it was as good as everyone sort of made it out to be. But it was pretty. I thought it was pretty inoffensive in terms of its quality. Oh, this is this is something that really frustrates me. Is that you just have to have the right message, or you just need to be saying something that like is like, oh, that's a positive message. That's a good thing. It's like no, you actually need to make a good movie as well as saying something that people want to hear. You know, like, oh, man, this movie was so terrible. Like, I thought it was fine. Oh, just, yeah. It was, I think, coming off the back of, I mean, in in the most anticipated films, I've made the comment that this is kind of like a group of people or a group of actors who have sort of been, I think specifically Leslie Mann has been involved in like all of these movies that have taken us from like sort of the early 20s experience right through to being a parent of a teenager who's leaving home. She's she's kind of been... 
mostly the the shrill nagging wife in a lot of these films yeah though. or like the put upon like kind of the put yeah. upon wife that's kind of very funny and unexpectedly like she's suburban mom but she's also like fully Real dirty annoying, or something yeah. like that um, mm. I think she. I mean, the thing is, yeah, I, I agree with you. There are some individual like good performances, but I feel like the moments of comedy. It's like they wanted to make a movie. I, yeah, I feel like whoever wrote this movie. I'm just gonna say it's Judd Apatow, even though it's not. But like, okay. say it's Judd Apatow. Like he's got he's gone from wanting to make comedies that make commentary on what's going on to like he wants to make commentary, and so but the the the. the the vehicle he needs to use to do that is to make a comedy movie. And it's like all of the comedic moments in this film felt really forced. Like there's a scene where John Cena, they basically, they're like for no reason at all. There's actually no reason that he has to do this in the real life. But in the world of the movie, he's forced to butt chug like a bottle of beer. Oh, like he said, he didn't have to do that in real life. He only did it for the movie. <laughs> no, but like in the real, in if they were, if those characters mean. were in a yeah. real life situation, they would not have had to do that. But it's yeah. just, there's all this ratcheted up tension where he has to butt chug something. And it's just like, it just funny. falls completely flat. And it's just like, oh yes, John Cena has a tube inserted in his ass. And it's, it's fucking just, hilarious. it's not funny. And, the the thing is this movie it could have it probably it could have gotten away with having it sort of more schmaltzy nice parent child moments if it had done the humor better but it didn't and i just it just yeah and, and like there's there's whole scenes in the movie where like another character is basically saying to them why the hell are you doing this like there's actually no point to any of it and then 30 minutes later they all realize oh there's no point to what we're doing why are we doing this and it's just like to have another character in the movie literally tell you that you're, you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Right. So you'd recommend it? No, 100% not. Um, As someone who didn't see it, um, I agree with neither of you and, and I'm going to make my, make up my own opinion about it. When you definitely I'm, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, that was um, the best movie of that part of the year. What month did it come out in? Best movie of that month. Cool. <laughs> um all right, skipping over a couple that none of us saw, Early Man and Peter Rabbit. Um, next up, big next big blockbuster we had was Ready Player One, which um, was on my most anticipated list. I'm a big fan of the book, uh, despite you know being able to admit that it's not very good. Uh, we all <laughs> saw this movie, and we even did a podcast on it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, but for for me, I'll say that the, when I was making my ranking list, uh, this was kind of the one that I was like. This was my like middle film for me where I was like, and I'm going to say something that's going to sound like it's contradicting this later on, but um, like this was the film that I was like stuck in the middle and I was like, is it, is the film better than this or worse than this? And it's like not necessarily that the film's worse than it were even that bad, but it was just kind of, I remember that one being like the the middle that I would rank everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what, what was interesting about this movie for me was that at the time of watching it, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I just yeah. really enjoyed the experience of watching it. And it was almost like, but I realized quite early on that it was a, it was, it was like a Goonies, you know, like it was, it was, you know, it was, it was that, it was a film for that age level. And I'm like, if I was like 12, you know, 11, 12, 13, I would just think this movie is amazing. And I really appreciated the fact that they were, you know, it was Steven Spielberg and he's still making kind of, these really cool movies for that age group that feel like a cinematic experience and it's high quality. Um, but, you know, looking back over this over this year, 
until I saw the list of movies that we were going to talk about, I would not have been able to remember the fact that Ready Player One came out this year. So it's not yeah. a movie that actually made any impression on me, um, you know, that, that lasts long because it's not really a movie for me. But I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, there were obviously elements that I thought were a little bit junior, but that's okay. That's that's kind of what this movie's for. Yeah. Um, and But yeah, it, it, it's not going to make a long lasting impression of me as much as I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to yeah. be more oh, yeah. of a movie that I think adults would go, oh, wow, that's really saying something. And I mean, you listen to what we said in the most anticipated podcast and we were kind of saying, oh, it's great because it was making a commentary on like the use of nostalgia and how, you know, and um, and the use of like online avatars and what it's doing to society. And it didn't really do that as much as I thought it, it was going to. It kind to. of tried to cram it out at the last minute, but yeah. sort of. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the staying power things are different. Like, I remember, like, uh, like six weeks after this came out, and um, I messaged AJ and Rowan, and I was like, fuck, you remember how Ready Player One came out? <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about it since then, and I was like, yeah. fuck, that's right. Actually, it, it's already out, and I've seen it, and I liked it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, it's the changes it made as well improved. Well, it's, it's certain changes, but... Um, the sort of thematic or like changes improved upon the book, I reckon. Yeah, uh, like a lot of the stuff about Halliday and like the the Willy Wonka character of the of this world. Um, a lot of the changes made to his character worked really well. I thought. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty. I th- I feel like I don't have anything to say on it that you guys haven't covered. It's probably the ultimate. Um, forgot it came out this year, kind of movie. So yeah. Which is crazy considering how much we were anticipating it. Like that uh, really says something. The fact that like we watched the trailer and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Man. But I also can't in good conscience say it was disappointing. No, not at all. Yeah. No. Um, if anything, I think it there's was just better. something. Because <laughs> I, 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 if anything, um, it, it superseded my expectations because I didn't like the book that much and yeah. probably enjoyed the movie more than the book. Yeah. I think it's just because it's the the emptiness of it or something that made it quite um actually um i've promoted him before but nando v movies has a great um video on ready player one about um about how to fix the finale and Mm. it it does change the film a lot um with a very small change um so check that out okay um so next up we had a wrinkle in time i don't think any of us saw that um but apparently it's like horrendous a bomb so Mm-hmm. I was pretty disappointed by that. And I think for all, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you know, like a lot of the reasons that I talked about at the beginning where, you know, the source material is a very odd, off-kilter, very literary kind of multidimensional, you can talk about it in a book form because you just have to read the words, but actually representing it visually in a way that makes sense to everyone. I just I just think it's sort of, and also it was a Disney movie and it's quite a sort of an off kilter dark kind of material to work from right uh, dark think, materials yeah um yeah i think it's interesting that um we we have these movies that you know i feel like maybe not so much anymore but a couple years ago everyone was complaining about how we never get any original films anymore like it's all sequels and remakes you know that conversation or book adaptations yeah yeah and then this year we get a wrinkle in time we get um it's a book adaptation uh nutcracker in the four realms yeah, and adaptation of a ballet and um the bad bad times at the al royale which isn't even on your list richard <laughs> but like all three are like the closest we got to like original big movies this year 
and I didn't see any of them and don't want it yeah. to. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think you can call A Wrinkle in Time because not only is it a book adaptation, but Disney has also adapted it previously. Right. Um, and that's kind of an update of that. Uh, but yeah, Bad Times of the El Royale, we didn't talk about it on the upcoming podcast, on the anticipated, because we didn't really know about it. And uh, none of us saw it. So, yeah. um, so you can probably just delete that whole rant you made, AJ, because it didn't really make any sense. What do you mean? It made sense. <laughs> I'm sa- I'm saying that like even when there's something that's not implicitly like a, a a rehash, which apparently Wrinkle in Time is, but I didn't know that. Um, it's we still don't go see it <laughs> because they're not very good. So yeah, there's a bigger uh, problem than just sequels and remakes. Yeah, and uh, another type of film, video game adaptations. We got mm. another one. Uh, Rampage. Did this break the video game curse? Yes, one hundred percent. I won't hear a bad word spoken about this movie. It's so good. It's all right. <laughs> I, I just really enjoyed it. This is, for me, it's interesting because we're, we're going to talk about People Skype. are going to turn this podcast off <laughs> because they're just going to be like, this guy's all over the fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, like, there's, it's interesting because we're going to talk about Skyscraper, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Believe me, we are. In two, he was in two movies this year. Oh, two? Yeah, I think it was two. Yeah, two movies came out this year and, like, both of them promised to be, you know, The Rock movies. And I think Rampage was Rampage was like the um, the Jumanji type of Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, where it's just crazy but very fun. And oh, it was more like a San Andreas, where it's so. Well, I'd say Skyscraper was more like San Andreas. Well, uh, I Same liked director I liked well. San Andreas. Huh? <laughs> I thought San Andreas was so stupid; it was really fun. Yeah, same and, with like, Skyscraper. Everyone knew. No, I didn't have fun in, San- in Skyscraper. Well, Guys, we're not even talking well, about Skyscraper yet. But yeah, I, I, I really like Rampage. I like the characterization. I liked his. I liked the Rock's character and his relationship with the with the gorilla. Like mm. I really believed in it, and that was. I think that's what he's so good at is actually giving humanity to, to the gorilla. Pe- to the like, I think his I mean, he perfor- is a gorilla. His his performances actually offer the characters around him humanity. Like he draws it out of other people as well, not just, right. yeah. And even to the point where he drew humanity out of a gorilla. Um, yeah. And I also, I mean, I'm probably just partial here, but I I love Chicago. It's my favorite city in the US. And so just seeing the finale of it being in Chicago rather than in New York or San Francisco, I just I really love that. And I, I thought the creatures were pretty cool. Um, I thought the really hammy um, brother-sister villains were, like, super hammy and really enjoyably bad. Um, and also Piper... Is it Piper Parabo? Um, the girl from Popular back in the day. Seeing her sure was is. a blast. Because, I, man, I had oh, such a crush on her. So, it was just good to see her in a movie. So, yeah, um, I, liked, I liked Rampage. Well, because you said you won't hear a bad word about it, I will take that in mind while I'll explain what I think about it. So I'm not going to use any bad words to describe how I felt about it. It fucking sucked. No, no, it was better than Tomb Raider. It Um, was. It was better than Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Uh, It was better than Mortal Engines and Venom. So that's that's what I have to say about Rampage. All right. Uh, Yeah, I didn't see it, but um, based on... Because AJ was like, no, don't bother. Um, (laughs) Secondhand bad words. That's a neutral. That's a neutral. Um, So the other day I was like, um, AJ, are there any 2018 films that I haven't seen that I should see before the podcast? And he's like, oh, I'm AJ. I'm probably tired. And I was like, oh, what about either like, like Rampage or Tomb Raider? And then you were like, what did you say to me, AJ? I said, like, Lameo, no. 
<laughs> like, like are those the, are those the movies I need to see to talk about on the podcast? And I was like, no, those are the movies you definitely don't have to see to talk about on the podcast. You'll be fine. Yeah, like, I just it- didn't want you guys having like fun opinions on them and me missing out. No. I don't feel like I missed out on Tomb Raider, but I feel like I should have watched Rampage now, uh, so that uh, I could I, I could you know really you could tell just Jeremy's you could wrong. enter into this the hammy cheesy fun of it. Yeah, yeah. I I saw it at the movies with, with like my little sister and like everything about it was fun, but I don't know. I didn't really. I barely remember it. <laughs> everything about it was fun, but I'm dead inside now, so I couldn't enter in. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Um, speaking of uh, in our age, you had a little complainy complain about um, uh, original movies, but next we had Isle of Dogs. Mm. Yeah, it was, good. was original. Yeah, liked it. It was cool. Okay. No, I I saw this, and uh, so I had a. <laughs> I'm just like the movie asshole. This yeah, whole you're podcast. Fucking almond white over here. It's like baking a real nice cake and then dropping like a whole thing of vinegar into it. <laughs> like <laughs> Jeremy's presence on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I okay. Ugh. So I I'm I'm hot and cold on on Wes Anderson. Um, I don't like everything he does, but I do like like I loved Grand Budapest Hotel. I loved Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I really love the Royal Tenenbaums, and so it's it's really interesting for me because it's almost like I love every second movie that he makes. Right. Um, you didn't like Moonrise Kingdom? I actually didn't see it, so that's yeah. You've only seen every second film of his, and he liked all <laughs> I of them. All of them. <laughs> no, and so I think I had a whole conversation with someone who really loved Isle of Dogs, and about sort of it was very passionate incorrect (laughs) (laughs) Um, about two thirds of the way through the conversation he said oh and it's just you know so beautiful and I was just like oh I think one of the problems is that I saw this on the plane and the thing is with with Wes Anderson so much of why you enjoy his movies is just the beauty of the frame Um, so what is actually included in the frame and I think especially with this one because it was stop motion animation uh, you know, so much of it is the small details and the craft of actually the filmmaking that makes a Wes Anderson film worth watching. And so I think having seen it on a small, tiny screen on a plane, um, I was more focused on the story of which there is almost very little story movement um, and the characters are all quite neutral and bland and there's almost it's almost like a resistance to give them personality um, or to give them, you know, big personality moments. And so I, I, fa- I found the film fell really flat uh, and I didn't really believe it or enter into the world, but I have a feeling that's probably more the format's fault than than the film's yeah. because of the reaction it that sounds I've like heard from other people. Fault. For watching yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Is, is I think maybe you should watch it again because just to just to nip any comments in the bud for this episode that are like, well, you didn't even see it in a good environment. I think that's valid. Um, I think this yeah. could be a really enjoyable film yeah. in the right context. Oh, I didn't watch this film that's mostly about its visuals with good visuals, so <laughs> it's dumb and I hate it. <laughs> we uh, recently just bought it like a massive new TV. It's like really beautiful. So I might I might I might get home and watch it on that. Oh, and too AJ, late. thoughts? Uh, no, I thought it was cool. I definitely it didn't didn't stay with me too much. Um, it was, but it's cool. It's just it's just a real fun style to watch, especially on a big screen with real good sound. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I don't have much to say about it other than yeah, it was cool. Yeah, like for for how much I normally hear about a new Wes Anderson film, I didn't hear a lot about this one. No. Um, Except for how racist some people thought it was. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, next uh, we had a film that was on my most anticipated list for 2017, uh, and it actually ended up coming out earlier than uh, we have it here, but uh, God Particle, which was renamed to The Cloverfield Paradox. Now, this had a pretty interesting release. Uh, They played basically the announcement for it during the Super Bowl, and then it was available on Netflix after the game. So I was at work. I was actually watching the Super Bowl live um, to just see all the trailers. Um, And then uh, this film was announced, Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane. And like the idea of like following the Cloverfield verse, the Cloververse is really (laughs) exciting to me because I've always gotten into like the the ARG stuff. Um, And I was like, so I I think it would be like two or three o'clock our time it went online and then I got home 6.30ish. AJ and I watched it together. Um, but I, I was like, can I go home early? And because I, I was so excited. I was like sitting at work. I couldn't concentrate because I was so excited about this. And then I got home, sat down and we watched it. And about halfway through, I um, I had to go to the toilet, I think. So we paused it. And I got back and it was like the first time AJ, had spoke, AJ and I had spoken since the film had started. And we were both just like, this isn't very good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it just got worse. And it's like, this is my most disappointing film of 2018. That like, for this is the one that like, from the hype I had um, immediately before watching it, to how I felt afterwards, this is the most disappointed I've yeah. been. Because I, I didn't read what anyone else was saying about it. And then afterwards I went online, everyone was like, fuck, that was awful. <laughs> and you're like, um, yes, it was. But yeah, this this is genuinely, genuinely a really bad film. Um, like, it, it, it's, it's a pretty forgettable, like, maybe... 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, like, um, film of the genre of, like, diverse crew of a spaceship gets picked off one by one. Oh, wow. That has these weird, confusing Cloverfield-related scenes added, and it's like it can't make up its mind if it wants to actually take place in the world of the original or not. And then the the, the last shot of the film, if I'd seen it in a cinema, probably would have been, like, oh shit that's awesome um because you see the original monster from cloverfield or a version of it anyway um but yeah thoroughly disappointed with this film i have to say yeah i think um i watched it so i got home from work earlier than you and i watched cloverfield and then 10 cloverfield lane in a row and then immediately watched this film and boy (laughs) is that not the way to watch this film. <laughs> um, I think what you're saying about because it had what it does it it has lower than thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I'm saying right? oh yes, yeah. So it's like it's it's a, a like it would be thirty percent, but then it's um, then the Cloverfield references drag it down. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because not only do they drag it down, but they do what is one of the worst things a sequel can do is is that they ruin the legacy of Cloverfield as yeah, well. Nineteen percent. Yeah, it, wow. it takes it from being, um, like, if, if they hadn't featured the monster, it'd be like, oh, it's just an anthology episode, like, whatever, it's not nothing too, yeah. you know, I, I would still go see another Cloverfield film, but this has added to the Cloverfield mythology what I would consider to be bad plot. So yeah. now it's like, corrupted it, I guess. Yeah, it's like they tried to make this one the one that bridges the gap between... 
uh, Cloverfield and Ten Cloverfield Lane because it's, it's about like alternate realities and and shit like that, and they get smashed together. And so it's kind of implied that the original Cloverfield is in one and the Clo- and Ten Cloverfield Lane is in the other, and then Cloverfield Paradox jumps between them. Yeah. Um, but then it just it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like it's yeah, it's a, it is a confusing movie at times, but. It's it's not confusing in the sense that like if you sit down and really think about it, you can work it out. It actually just doesn't make sense. And yeah. um, there's a there's a scene where Chris O'Dowd's character loses his arm and like gets cut off through it like interdimensional portal, and then the arm starts communicating with them like independent of a body, and they never explain <laughs> how or why it can do that. And that, yeah. that's an example like people people watching it being like. Why could the arm do that? Nothing about what we know about the film's mythology suggests that the arm would be able to be its own living being. Yeah, so that's uh, like an, an uh, example, uh, I guess, of yeah, what's it's, confusing. It's such a stupid movie. And it's like, this is the go-to. Ex- so Paramount were going to release it, but they were like, this is actually too bad. Let's see if Netflix will take it. And um, yeah, they, they did. But um, I remember <laughs> wow. um, seeing the day before the Super Bowl, Ava DuVernay, who directed Wrinkle in Time, uh, tweeted being like, something's going to happen tomorrow that film Twitter is going to blow up about. And um, people were like, holy shit, we're going to get a trailer for Cloverfield Paradox or Cloverfield Paradox is going to get released, something like that. Or, well, Gold Particle, we called it at the time. Or um, <laughs> there's like another, na- oh, the Cloverfield Particle, people thought it would be called. Um, but um and then it Wasn't came it, um, out cloverfield at, station or something oh like yeah, that. yeah yeah um or like uss cloverfields i don't know anyway this yeah, seems yeah. a title sliding around but um yeah and then it came out everyone was like that was real shit and she was like hey it's a film with like a unique release directed by a person of color starring a um a female of color in the lead role and so that's why it's a big deal not because the film's good, because it's not. <sighs> um, yeah, so like having a bit, like when that, everyone was that like, happened with Wrinkle in Time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is this is the thing. It's like the message of the film, the message that the film sends to the studio and all that sort of stuff is more important than actually whether or not the film is good. And I'm like, no, the fact that the film is terrible is mm. actually like. That's, that's what like, people it's remember. Like, it's like the antithesis of Black Panther. Black Panther was mm. all of those things, and it was a fucking good movie and it was like one of the best movies to come out all year it's mm. like that is that should make film twitter go mental because it's like look it actually doesn't matter you know like you know it doesn't have to be a white director it doesn't have to be a male director it doesn't have to be a white male um lead like actually people people of color women you know they can they can they can actually hold a movie it's like don't use the Cloverfield paradox to try and make that point because it's a terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. Like the message yeah. in the movie is not actually the most important thing. It's the quality of what of the entertainment you make is going to be the thing that actually proves your point. Because then racists and misogynists are going to use it as their own ammo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's and I don't, also don't want to feel like I should be watching a movie just because of. You know, like, oh, you you need to watch this movie because you need to get more film diversity in your life. It's like, well. People should be given more opportunity. And this is, I guess, this is the catch-22 of the whole thing. Like, yeah, I actually, I, you know, we should be in a position where people of any color, you know, people of any gender can make good and bad movies. And it doesn't say the thing it needs to say about someone's gender or race. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Um, there was like a famous quote from like, um, and it, it's, it's going to sound outdated, but this is like the quote, is like, um, when 
uh, they allowed uh, African-Americans to play baseball in the States, they were like, um, this someone said, like, they're not going to be fully integrated until you're allowed to hate the Negroes, <laughs> until you're allowed to hate the Negro players, because it's like, yeah, like, uh, until a time where you can be like, this film's bad, removed from it, and you're not called a racist for not liking it. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's when everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. acceptable. Yeah. Um, well, that's one metric of measuring it, anyway. Um, well, actually, like, I know this is on this is on the list to talk about later, but there's just one point I want to make about it, which fits perfectly in here. It's exactly the reason why Crazy Rich Asians was such an interesting film for me this year, because basically there was one white character in it and he was a waiter in a restaurant that the characters happened to be at. And the rest of the film was entirely populated by um, Crazy uh, actors of Asian descent. And like, and that was amazing because it basically what it meant was that you could have the, the protagonist, you could have the male protagonist, you could have the villain, you could have the annoying one, you could have, and the film had like what you would describe as Asian stereotype characters from other films in it. But because all of the leads who were playing like the sort of, you know, quote unquote, normal people um, who just had normal lives that you identified with, they were also played by Asian actors it meant that you could have those sort of like crazy Asian stereotypes that if you ask any person who grew up in an Asian family, they would say, oh my gosh, yes, that's my auntie. That's the crazy, you know, like these stereotypes arise from something, but they're not offensive if they are in the context of a normal world in which normal people exist of that race as well. Um, And it's just like when you have the full gamut and the full spectrum of human experience from a particular culture, you can have the funny parts of that culture rather than cherry picking them into yeah. like a way. I mean, I think that's all about the creators being in on the joke and stuff like that. Totally, and, totally. Um, and the intent behind it. Um, because, yeah, if you have someone that's like, I'm making fun of my mum, but then if they're like, oh, I'm making fun of that Asian dude's mum, like, they're different. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, next. Biggest release of the year on my most anticipated list uh, we've got Avengers Infinity War. So let's uh, have a have so- a condensed, concise conversation <laughs> about Avengers Infinity War in this huge-ass podcast. Well, okay, I do just want to bring up that uh, in our discussion for Most Anticipated, uh, Jeremy said, like, he was oh, like, who cares? There's no tension. Um, the good guys, like, you, you've seen so many films now, like, this will be the 19th, film and it's like oh the good guys win who cares like there's absolutely no tension aj you said um it'll be a disappointment if they don't kill one of the original avengers Mm. now neither of those things happened so what did you guys think i just think it's really good that the russo brothers listened to our podcast and (laughs) went back and did like hurried reshoots to make sure they didn't disappoint us (laughs) no i mean it was i i mean i really enjoyed it and i i enjoyed it even halfway through the movie, I was like, the ending is going to disappoint me. Right. And I don't think that the, I don't think it was as good as in my mind it could have been. I had some big problems with some of the stuff that happened and some of the way that it sort of, some of the like, internal logic of the world and how the stones were found and used and all that sort of stuff. I thought some of that was a bit dumb, but. Like, I liked all four of the movies that were present in that movie. <laughs> um, and so, 
it, for me, it's a success, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the sort of second half of the movie. I think that the fact that there are two halves to the movie is a bit frustrating, um, but at the same time, it's good business, and I'm definitely going to see the next one, and it's definitely better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Major? Um, I would say that um, it's interesting, because I've only seen it once. I only saw it at the cinemas. I haven't seen it again since. Um, and at the time, I remember thinking... Um, I thought it was quite rushed in some places, just to, you know, a, nat- a natural byproduct of including so many storylines in it, um, and s- sort of stuff like that. And I was like, it's cool. It's it's it ranks just above the middle of my overall MCU ranking. You know what I mean? Like because I re- I really like the first Avengers, and I think that's still the benchmark for crossover. But that being said, the first Avengers um, didn't have as many characters. Um, I have no problem with what Avengers Infinity War did. And when I think about it in retrospect, I feel like I like it more than what I did at the time. So maybe I need to revisit it and remember what I did or didn't like about it. Um, but I, one thing I, I think is really important that people, they, they talk about it, but it's still, and, and the filmic way that we talk about it, I think it's, it's a cool thing. I saw uh, Kevin Smith was doing his IMDb shit and was talking about his, you know, best moments in film of 2018. And he referred to the snap in Infinity War um, as being the single biggest addition to pop cultural lexicon in, in decades. Which I think is a really cool, like, this is the, mm. this is our generation's Luke, I am your father, is the moment, you know? Yeah. Like it's that's that's the defining thing from the movie that in forty years people will be still parodying in movies and it won't be outdated. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really good. that's a good point. Mm. Um, yeah, just and and the number of memes that you saw, even like uh, <laughs> like three days ago, I yeah. saw a meme that referenced you know the the um the ash you know floating away into ash. Yeah, like create yeah creating that visual like pop culture moment of you know beloved characters floating away into yeah, ash yeah. is something that hasn't actually happened on that scale in quite a while which is For pretty sure. impressive yeah. yeah like like we, we talked about this um well when we talked about halloween or hellraiser or something like that that like um we haven't had like a horror villain um that's like iconic and it feels like less and less things are becoming iconic like people aren't like films aren't being made to like have these iconic elements other than like superheroes but yeah like that that is such a good point yeah it's it's an intentionally iconic movie both the snap and the as you say jeremy the the people disappearing to ash are two um shorthands that will be stay stay in in our culture for years to come i reckon and that's that's really cool to be here for that you know to have seen it in the theaters and to have experienced the cultural reaction to it because like there were spoiler memes about spider-man dying a week after this movie came out (laughs) yeah it it came to it came fast and hard man and it was it was a bit scary almost to to like imagine if you couldn't see it the first day it came out to (laughs) then have it like horribly spoiled i know people who it was horribly spoiled for just because they didn't see it on the first yeah i um uh because this came out uh on like a wednesday here and so first screen was like midday and someone came to work at like three o'clock and was like, oh, hey guys, oh, Iron Man dies. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, piss off. And he was like, oh yeah, no, I just saw it. <laughs> Everyone was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, um, oh my God, I, I wanted to fucking dick him. But like, because it's like, you've just confirmed Iron Man doesn't die. 
Yeah. Because you yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. say that if he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then someone like kept on asking him questions about the movie and he would keep answering them. And I was like, honestly, if you open your mouth again and whether it's about Infinity War or not, I'm going to punch you in the dick. It's it's very it's very frustrating because there's there's and I had this conversation recently. There are two sections of society, and one that um, thinks spoilers are like borderline bullying. Like I I think that to be yeah. honest, to, to put it into words, I know that sounds a bit melodramatic. But if you intentionally spoil like a big movie for that, for for me, like that that genuinely hurts my feelings and reduces my overall experience and makes me sad. But then there's yeah. also people who don't think it's a big deal and like I'll oh, get over it. And there's no there's not been a um there's not been something to bring those two like different sides together. Like there's no normal. Um, you know, there's no accepted reaction to that happening yet. Um, yeah. Because cause it, I didn't have anything like, I saw a meme that said Iron Man died, which kind of didn't do anything for me because... Um, that's it seems an, obvious that he would. Yeah, it's such an easy ass- assumption to make that it could have just as easily been... Made by someone who hadn't seen it. Yeah, yeah. If I'd seen one that said Red Skull is an Infinity War, that would have spoiled it for me because yeah, I or wasn't like Gamora dies that. even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that's such a random character to pick. It must be true. Yeah, but um, yeah, like the whole thing about spoilers being bullying. It's like it does sound melodramatic, but I agree with you that it's like the only thing you're getting out of spoiling a movie for me is like frustrating me or ruining something that I care about, yeah. which is bu- bullying. Like yeah. if I broke you know your favorite toy or whatever the only thing i gain out of that is making you feel bad yeah like it's not like yeah yeah and and so the whole like i'm actually contemplating taking a day off work to go see endgame like when it so i can be at the earliest screening of it so i don't like have to deal with it yeah i i think what's really interesting about infinity war is that it has that tension right like so i don't think anyone there was no spoiler conversation about pretty much any, I, I mean, not to this level. There hasn't been a spoiler conversation about a movie in so long um, that, you know, like a like a Marvel movie or one of these big tentpole, um, even, even Justice League about like, you know, Superman coming back. Everyone knew Superman was going to come back. There was no, there was no tension to that because it's just like, you can't, Sorry, you can't kill off Superman and keep him dead. Like, you, there's mm. no Justice League without Superman. And so, like, Infinity War, it, it almost feels like a cheat to me, though, because because it is only one half of a, of a larger movie. Mm. Um, and the story is so clearly not over that, like, it's they kind of cheated having this massive dramatic finish of everyone dying. But it's just like, I... I'm kind of almost holding my breath because I don't think that the that the actual consequences of this film are going to be permanent. You know, they're not permanent. Oh, consequences. for sure. And and if you can rewind time to save all those who died in the snap, you can. There's no reason I can see why you couldn't rewind time to save Loki and Gamora. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. what 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 is going to stop them just going back a little bit further? And like, Loki has a has a Disney Plus streaming show in development and stuff like that. And so, also, did you see they retconned Loki as well a little bit recently? What did they did do? Did you hear about this? I've heard about something about it. Um, so basically, because you know how the scepter has the Mind Stone in it, and he could like control people. Um, Disney just silently added on like Loki's description on the website that he was being influenced by the Mind Stone during the events of um, Thor and the Avengers. To make him a, a nicer... Yeah, to make him like sympathetic. 
Yeah. So like all this villainish, like because he's everyone's favorite villain and he kind of becomes a hero by the end of Ragnarok. But um, he's like all the bad stuff he did was because he was under the control of the monster. He was under an imperious curse. Mm. Um, but that's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about because next week we're doing the most anticipated films of 20, oh, 2019. And I'm sure we'll have a massive discussion about Avengers Endgame. Yeah, so true. any final thoughts on Infinity War? Um, I do want to say, Jeremy, before you said that there hasn't been a movie that t- um, had such a such high stakes regarding spoilers around it, but for me, regardless, and I don't, I'm not getting into what we thought of the film, but The Last Jedi was 10 times more tense for me than Avengers Infinity War in terms of finding out spoilers. No, you're right. You're right. And I think that, sorry, I, I'm more thinking of super, because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. In, in the whole thing, my, my original comments in the most anticipated was around how bored I am of, of the MCU and sure. superhero movies in general, because the superheroes have to win. Like, otherwise yeah. they're not superheroes, they're not heroes. Sure. And a, a superhero film that finishes without the heroes winning mm. um, is kind it's, of a failure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so in order and so the thing is there's not really that many spoilers around movies like Thor Ragnarok or you no, know, that's for sure. Stuff. Yeah. For yeah. the first time, um and, and almost what you could argue is a genius um storytelling technique is that you do eighteen films where it's obvious none of the characters are gonna die, and then do one where any of them could die. That this this is the most the the stakes are the highest they've ever been. For, for the MCU right now and I think yeah, that's yeah. but I think I think that's the thing as well is that my my memory of the film now is like oh I really enjoyed that but I, I do remember going out of the film at the end feeling a little bit like oh well they're just gonna undo that yeah yeah like yeah. Imme- <laughs> my immediate thought was like oh well how are they gonna undo it because they're definitely gonna like if they had killed off that's the thing if they had killed off some of the original with without the snap if they had just had a big, huge fight and Thanos had killed like Iron Man and Captain America and stuff like that, I would have gone out of the movie being like, oh, those deaths are permanent. That's massive. Like, yeah, yeah that's huge. But- Whereas they killed off the whole new generation of superheroes. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's no way they're going to leave those guys. Well, at the same time, I like that now Endgame is like a swan song for our original Avengers. It's true. Yeah. Um, and it's but- literally the end game for this yeah. phase of the Marvel Cinematic um, Universe. Yeah. I-, I do want to say as well about um, Infinity War is that like, I'm such a massive Marvel fanboy. I, I'm really? not ashamed of it really? or anything like that. But um, now I have such high expectations or I like know exactly what to expect from a Marvel movie. And something like Ragnarok, I enjoyed. But then I, I came out of it and it was like, oh my God, that was amazing. And I was like, yeah, it was good. Like, I didn't really have that much praise for it because I was just like, yeah, like that's that's what I expected. Whereas Infinity War was the first film since the original Iron Man to like blow me away in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and like, because I was, I was a bit skeptical going in. I was like, I'm not going to, I don't care about the looming threat of Thanos. Like I, I never really cared about him. And I was like, there's no way they can juggle that many characters. And they pulled both of those things off like fantastically. And they, they turned Thanos into, like, with, like, this ridiculous plan, but they made it, like, sympathetic. A lot of people are saying it's empathetic, but it's not. It's sympathetic. Um, but- Learn words, idiots. Learn words, you freaking Yeah, well, because empathetic is, like, oh, I can see why you're doing that, and I agree with you. Sympathetic's, like, oh, I understand that you feel this way, and mm. that's, that's what it is. Um, because, yeah, he's got a dumb plan. Yeah. Um- but you know, he we were shown that why he believes that this is the only way, and, and they they pulled that. 
Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And also like the CGI on Josh Brolin looked great. Like they- I'd say this is, I'd say Thanos is my second favorite Marvel villain after Killmonger. Yeah. My, f- I, I do love Vulture still. Yeah. He'd be third. Yeah. Mainly just because of the scene in the car and Spider-Man oh, coming. Yes, no, yeah. that's absolutely. like the best scene in the MCU, yeah, and yeah. it's like the, the scariest villain is just Michael Keaton. Totally, not when he's Vulture. It's when so he's your like girlfriend's Adrian dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so I think we're done on Infinity War. We're gonna next week. You're gonna get twice yeah. the conversation about yeah, the Avengers sure, for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Uh, next, uh, going from that down to like another um, <laughs> significantly smaller release was a movie called Truth or Dare. Um, which we did actually talk about on the last one. Um, and I subsequently did go and watch the trailer, you which you asked me oh, to, yeah. and I just laughed my ass off because so you, you didn't see the movie so there, did terrible. you? Terrible. No. Um, this was like, this is, this is classic, so bad it's good kind of movie. Like, uh, I mean, I think maybe at the time I wasn't even that, I was like, ah, oh, it's so bad, whatever. But now I'm like, that was so fun. Um, like, it does this thing where at the end of it, it like soap and and we did an episode of me Jason Karen did an episode about this where we um talked about movies based on games um but like um it does this thing where it sets up perfectly due to like the rules of the world it like perfectly sets up this is how they're gonna outsmart him uh, or like outsmart the like the the truth or dare demon. And then they just do something different and it's so stupid. It's like the dumbest <laughs> possible ending. And it's like, I, I can't remember the details of it. I think I explained it in the childhood games that would make better um, movies thing. But um, it's so dumb and it just it just looks so silly. Um, like what and happens I, I think, to their faces? Yeah, this will be one of those movies that like in five to ten years when you uh people are old enough that would have got this film out knowing it's a horror movie because they're 13 years old and their mum and they're having a sleepover and one of the cool mums let them get an r-rated movie they got this yeah um you'll have there'll be a wave of people that were like this film was actually really fun (laughs) um i remember watching it when i was 12 yeah my favorite thing i didn't see it but my favorite thing from what i know about the film is um there's a question mark in the title <laughs> it's it's truth or dare and like i know that truth or dare i guess is a question i guess but the game itself i wouldn't put a question mark at the end of it and question marks are considered like bad luck and in, in, in the film industry with titles like who framed roger rabbit doesn't have a question mark because it's considered bad luck and it's like if there was ever a film that I guess could have had a question mark but didn't need it. It's the words truth or dare. Like it can just be a choice in front of you. It doesn't maybe, need to be a question. Maybe the reason it's a maybe that's the reason it's a question is because literally it's how the the whole movie came into being. Was it like the producers were playing a game of truth or dare and he picked dare and he's like, I dare you to make a movie or, or based the, on this game. Or they, they were like, Okay, let's make a horror movie based around like a, a game that people play and they wrote but they wrote, you know, hide and seek and stuff and then someone's like, Truth or dare 
dare question mark because they weren't sure about it and then so I was like that's it and it was never changed from the note on the whiteboard to, to release AJ I, mean, I mean you do you do like get the fact that the game name is a question I know like, but it doesn't you're have asking to be if the person wants to choose truth or dare yeah if the title was didn't have a question mark Noel will be like it should have a question mark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, true. That's true. Okay. Uh, again, another big release that was sandwiched between a couple of big ones and subsequently forgotten about is Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm. So, Jeremy, what did you think of The Last Jedi? <laughs> the Last Jedi, man. I'm glad we're finally having this conversation because you, you man, just it was disappointed. Out. Like, Superman Leia, what the hell? <laughs> nah, anyway, um, yeah, Solo, a Star Wars story is like. It's January or like- I just understood what you meant by Superman layer. (laughs) I was like, the the Superman layer? Like L-A-Y-E-R? I was like, (laughs) it's got a layer of Superman on it? What are you talking about? Um, Yeah, I- I thought um, it's like, I was as disappointed with The Last Jedi as I was with Superman. Like it was Superman layer disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like in December of, of last year, it's like- Remember there was a Star Wars movie this year? Like, yeah, yeah. this was ridiculous. And, like, yeah, fuck. I just did not care about this, eh? Solo, Solo's an interesting one. I didn't because, dislike it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone really disliked it, but I dislike it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, I, I saw it and I was like, that was better than I thought it was going to be. But everything, the it, way it now sits in my memory is like this annoying little... Uh, hangnail of a film that I'm just like, uh, why did this happen? Even though I didn't really dislike it. It's yeah. more just, it didn't, what I've been saying, and you, we did a talking during the movie episode about it where we're like, I tried to make it, the, the main takeaway I had from it was like, it's good, but when you say, oh, we're going to make a Han Solo movie and the rest of the room goes, that sounds like a bad idea. And they go, nah, nah, you wait till you see it. It'll be worth it. It definitely wasn't worth it. It didn't justify its own existence. Yeah, it's not good enough to justify its own existence, yeah, yeah. I think, would be I think my I think this is a really, really good argument for uh, how studios can create a negative press buzz around a movie to lower expectations before the movie comes out. Because <laughs> oh, man, that's really interesting, dude. Like, yeah. I honestly, uh, now afterwards, I do wonder if... Because there was so many leaks coming out of it and so many, like... And Disney were really... Like, they didn't release a, 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 a trailer until so, so close to it. And it was almost like, I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if someone went like, oh, man, this movie just... It's, it's not going to be really bad, but it's... It's not going to be amazing. I don't think that we get like the story is not we don't have time to come up with a new one. And so why don't we just actually start lowering expectations through like a full court press of like negative press and none of us will comment on it or like do anything to stop it. We'll just keep on fueling it. Um, you know, we'll have like rumors of onset rifts between the cast and all, all that sort we'll of stuff. We'll fire the directors. Yeah, yeah, And then by the time that everyone goes and sees it, they're like, man, this is going to be a steaming shit pile. And then it's just like, oh, this is actually a pretty well put together movie that like has some really great moments and like some cool yeah. chase sequences. And yeah, I don't know. I had a good time. It yeah. wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, Dude, I, think- I buy it. I buy it, Jeremy. I think that's a great theory. Yeah. I, I-, I totally believe that. I think the release date hurt it a lot because not mm. only- like Star Wars has done pretty well in December, but um, like with Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi, but um, it came out 
sandwiched between Infinity War and Deadpool 2. Yeah. And like, and truth or dare. Um, so it's like, yeah, it, it, nothing was really in this film's corner. And like, I feel, I feel bad for, for it. Like, how much do you guys think that the, the lukewarm reception to this film, like, do you think there was leftover animosity from the last Jedi as well? I, I definitely do. I yeah. think that people were looking for a reason to continue saying that the direction of Star Wars is not going well. Yeah, especially only like four or five months after Last Jedi as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do think it's really interesting that they... I, I do not know why they pushed ahead with an earlier release date because every single Star Wars movie of my lifetime has been like a, a December Christmassy kind of release. And yeah. that's when you sort of get like, oh, we're getting like I'm all the Harry- sure the prequels released like middle. Oh, of I have year. no idea. But like but pretty the- sure the Revenge of the Sith was like May. Right. I remember okay. at least that. Um but anyway, the like you, you just think the last few years, like all the Harry Potter movies were always released at Christmas time. You know, you've got like the the big huge kind of like this is the important movie of the year, the important yeah. blockbuster movie of the year. Yeah, well, even like like Titanic and Avatar were released at the end of the year. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like I, I feel like they were. It, it was sort of almost communicating like this one isn't as important because even Rogue One was released at Christmas uh, around in December, and so I, yeah, I wonder if um because because that being said, the last I think Rogue One and the Last Jedi were all sp- supposed to come out at the same uh, time. Yeah, as they, Solo. they were all supposed to like when they were all originally announced. They were all um like April May releases. And then one by one, they all got pushed except Solo. And if there was ever one that needed to get pushed back, yeah, it was Solo because like it had they fired the directors. Like, yeah, um, I remember hearing a theory that um, the reason it was in uh, the middle of the year was because there was gonna be a smaller scale, a smaller budget Star Wars movie coming out in December, and I didn't hate that idea. Like the the problem that I think. And that solo, this is still talking about solo. Um, it's and because solo is emblematic of it, is that, and I'm sure I've 100% said this on the show before, and it's not even my own, you know, the, the opinion that I came up with that no one else shares or anything. But like the reason Marvel can release three films a year is because they're all distinctly different, they're all different flavors, for lack of a better word. They've got different, very different characters to yeah. play with. And if Star Wars released, I, I believe, people are talking about Star Wars fatigue and that, I believe that if Star Wars just made spin-offs that were different flavors from each other, you could do two a year, or you could do one five months after the last one. The problem is they all feel the same. So, like, if, if Solo was a bit more, like, like if, if Lord and Miller had, had stayed on to direct Solo, that's a movie that I think, I think it would have done better, even if it was like mismatched i i don't know that's just that's that might be the ultimate film i wish i could see in another in an alternate universe i I think that um people are um like people don't want star wars to turn into marvel they like star wars being like event films and they Mm. like star wars to feel like star wars and that's the thing i think aj i don't think that you can do the same thing that mcu has done with Star Wars because the thing is that even though Han Solo is not the same character as Luke Skywalker they exist in the same world and they don't Mm -hmm. there aren't comic books that are completely separate that establish those two characters different worlds as being like having different rules and all that sort of stuff and so those characters don't exist outside of the films in a way that is so different as comic books for like decades 
Because yeah. the thing is that the reason superheroes, I think, can have their own very different flavors is because that they already do in, in, yeah. other, in other sources outside of the world of the films. Whereas yeah. people have experienced the Star Wars characters through the movies and maybe, yeah, they go on to read the books that have been written about it and stuff like that. But it all comes from that same source movie. And so there's a certain feeling, there's a certain you know, world that you expect when you come to a Star Wars movie that I think that if they did start making a whole bunch of like zany spin-offs, people would go, that doesn't feel like Star Wars. Or at least they'd say that feels like the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, see, well, I, th- sure. I think the, the issue you're hung up on is that um, the presumption that to do this, they would need to stick to like the Skywalker saga and very closely branching off to that. But uh, I think what AJ is saying more is like you've got you've set up an entire universe to play with. All these different planets have different looks and feels to them, and different creatures mm. that inhabit them, and so explore those. Don't have the tie to this. That's how you would do three Star Wars a year kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. so you do you do a movie that's set on like the casino planet with only those. And, yeah, and it would be and it would be like a fifty million dollar movie. Yeah, that you sucks. know, like. But the problem is as well is that if you you'd have to pick a cheaper planet than that. <laughs> well, I mean, they, like we've said it before, but an Obi Wan movie on Tatooine, like that's a you could make that for a million dollars. I guess not if you. Hell on a hire good good actors for it, but yeah. do you know, like you could make a micro budget Obi Wan movie that's all set on Tatooine for yeah, it's just, for an, just as Logan, an example. but with Obi Wan. Yeah, <laughs> and again, and, I, I do. I, I completely agree with you. An Obi Wan movie with Ewan McGregor playing him at the age he is now would be amazing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. So that's our comments on Solo Star Wars we, okay. Story. Sorry, I, I just said, we, we <laughs> barely actually talked about Solo. We just <laughs> talked about the phenomenon of Solo. I do want to say that Alden Ehrenreich, I actually really enjoyed his Solo. I didn't think he was doing a, a Harrison Ford impression. Mm. I thought he, yeah, but yeah, he was going for like the spirit of a young Han Solo. And I thought he actually did a really good job for all the, you know, the talk about him needing acting lessons and all that sort of stuff. I actually thought that... I thought the characters they created were as supporting characters, like um, uh, Daenerys's character. She was interesting to me. I thought Donald Glover did a really good job of Lando Calrissian. Um, I I liked it. The thing I didn't like about it was, as I think we've talked about before, like their need to say, "Hey, here's you know that thing from the original movies that you didn't care about at all. Here's oh, yeah. how that thing came into the being, dice, yeah. and the continuation of that, like the dice." that they made a big deal of in The Last Jedi, like the hanging mm. dice. Oh, man. The fact that that was like a totem throughout the uh, Solo yeah, just yeah. frustrated me to no end. I was like, yeah. this does, it, this isn't yeah. a symbol of something more and you should stop trying to make it that. It's like, it's when a studio's going to get that fan service in a prequel, no one ever enjoys that. Like, I've, I can't remember a single time when like someone's gone like, and this is how thing happened. Like in Solo, we learn why... He calls Chewbacca Chewy. <laughs> That's a thing that happens in that movie, among other egregious. How he got his last fan- name as well that everyone just yeah. assumed was his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that that that's the kind of thing is. Yeah, I agree. Is is it's like why are we doing this? Um, but yeah, I I wanted to say as well. Do you think there's a disconnect? Um, the fact that Alden Ehrenreich isn't trying to be Harrison Ford, but uh, um, Donald Glover is trying to be. Um, Billy D. Williams, like he's doing a real good impression. And yeah, then- see, I, I didn't think Donald Glover was that great. I, I no, do I love Donald either. Glover. I paid like three hundred dollars to go to his concert recently. But like, um, 
I don't. I, I think of all of it, he's very talented. But I mm. think if you were to list his talents, his acting's probably like, apart from in Atlanta, he's really good in Atlanta. But I think he's playing a character that's close to himself. But well, I don't he's think written he's, the character, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, kind of based on his life. But I, I don't think that he pulled off solo very well. Well, but, no, it's it's not that he didn't pull it off. It's that he did a really good impression. And, and but you that, see, you see acting? him trying to do it. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah I think yeah. also AJ. The reason for that is that Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's Han Solo is just Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. the, the swagger and the kind of, you know, this is who I am. Whereas Lando Calrissian is like Billy Dee Williams doing, like, there's, sure. there's a lot more character beats and kind of ticks of that particular character that you can ape. Whereas I mm. think you can't just try to be Harrison Ford. Like, that's... I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm just pointing out it's inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, for sure. Like, my... My like fix for this in my head canon, and I've said this on the podcast before. My head canon. What? <laughs> no, that's like a common have you, term. Oh, is it? Have you okay. never heard the term head canon, Jeremy? No, I haven't. Um, Everyone laugh at him. What a loser! <laughs> um, yeah, my head canon is, and and it, and it fixes it essentially. Is that like uh, solo or Star Wars? Because. Um, you know, Harris, uh, Han Solo, by the time we get to like The Force Awakens, is this like mythical guy. They're like, holy shit, you're Han Solo. And Solo, a Star Wars story, is a film made within the Star Wars universe that um, like Ray and Finn could go and see about the life of Han Solo. And so it's like, yeah, he's not playing, like, he's not supposed to grow up to be Harrison Ford. He's just someone playing Han Solo in a movie. Yeah. Wild to make a biopic about someone during one of the most like uh, li- little talked about <laughs> moments of his life, though. Yeah. They're like, "Where's the t- story of when he like showed up in the Millennium Falcon and helped destroy the Death Star?" <laughs> no, no, Why I wasn't that see the in the movie? About the yeah. Kessel Run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the Kessel Run is what he's famous for, so maybe mm. that is. Yeah, because Finn recognizes him, but or yeah, is it Finn recognizes nah, him? Um, about the, Ray does. Ray about the Falcon and the Kessel Run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I I quite like that he's and that's like explains pretty much everything. It would be great if at the end of the movie, like it just pans back from like a hologram screen and you just see like Finn, Ray, and um, Jar Jar Binks, Poe, like just <laughs> no, just throw Jar Jar Binks in there just to just to firmly be like, look, we know we fucked up this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So next, um, so we had uh, Deadpool two. Uh, I can't mm. remember what we said about this one. Uh, AJ, you famously really liked this film. Famously. Oh, yeah, it was cool. I don't, again, I don't, in the interest of time, I don't know if I have anything specific to say about it. Just It was cool. Yeah. I like. I liked it more than the first one. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. You I did not. Huh? I did not. I, I felt like a bad New Zealander the whole time because I was just like, oh, Julian Dennison. I fucking hate get Julian Dennison. my screen. Oh, my God. Have you flown Air New Zealand lately? Oh, just- God, it makes me want to fucking jump out of the plane. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the latest Air New Zealand safety video. Uh, Air New Zealand does these like, safety uh, videos all Kiwi. The it's uh, Kiwi. It's Kiwi safety. Safety video. It's yeah, It's so, so bad. fucking bad. Yeah. And, like, the world made a mistake by telling Julian Dennison that he's funny. Well, the the thing is, these are some fighting words for someone we're probably not too out of reach from. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I like Julian Dennison and don't have any problem with him. And if uh, Mr. Dennison, if you're listening, I'm a fan. (laughs) Um, But like, like Taika Waititi is funny, and even even Taika Waititi kind of grates me a little bit these days. Wow! Oh um, my goodness! Hand in your New Zealand passport. (laughs) Stop doing this. But um. 
Well, like my main my main issue with Taika Waititi, like his movies are really funny, but um, I hate watching interviews with him because he like, like I, I'm so interested to know about like what it was like working on Ragnarok and things like that, and he just will not answer anything seriously, and yeah. it's so frustrating. Um, I also feel like he's a little bit he well he's far too aware of the cult of Taika Waititi, and he's yeah. like now part of like fanning that flame as well. Yeah, but um. The people need to spot Dot Boy and Julian Dennison on things. He delivered Taika Waititi's lines really well, and he's great in Heart for the World of People. But every time he shows up in something, it's just like, I find it so uncomfortable to watch. But people are just like, he's got a funny accent and he's fat. That's so funny. I know. And they just laugh at him because they don't understand. Like, that's not funny in New Zealand. I fundamentally did not believe him with his superpowers of any description. And so Deadpool 2 just fell completely flat for me because I just didn't care about him as a character. And the whole point of the movie is that Deadpool, a character who famously is not supposed to have feelings about anything has feelings for this kid and wants to like protect him. And I'm just like, no, I don't think that's what Deadpool's famous yeah, I don't for. Think, I, don't oh, I, just, <laughs> I don't think he doesn't statement. care. I think he deeply cares about certain things. He's just a loose. The whole film was about, um, the whole first film was about, like the reason he gets his powers is because he wants to be with Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't care about anyone else other than Vanessa. Um, well, anyway, but the, um, oh, and the old lady he lives with. It was funny. <laughs> okay, that, um, I, I, I retreat. <laughs> and this person, and this person. The biggest um, laugh in my theater. If I say that really, my theater and my cinema was um, like uh, when Ryan Reynolds is like, oh, "I have to take care of this kid from New Zealand," and everyone was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, New Zealand!" Uh. <laughs> and it's like it's not a joke. <laughs> But the like, joke is this, he, he calls him poorly in the same laugh. sentence. Yeah. Um, That's but the joke. Like, now he's going to be in fucking Godzilla vs. Kong. And what? It's like, yeah, Julian Dessens is uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. And it's like, oh, here we go. This is way too close to home. I'm, I'm not participating in this disparaging of one of our na- national icons. He, no. No, I'm sorry. He's not a national icon. Yes, he is. You don't get to choose if he is or not, Julian. Oh, just no, he's like not. He's absolutely a national icon. <laughs> no, nah. sorry. I'm I'm all for I'm t- I'm pro Julian Dennison. You're a den. Say, you're a den head. I'll say it here. I'm in the den. <laughs> <laughs> in my father's den. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Having said all that, I did enjoy Deadpool too. I think it's pretty lazy that they re- um, retconned the entire film in its final moments. But it kind of knows that though. Yeah. Like it- it makes fun of itself for doing that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm over that there now. I'm yeah. seriously over movies being self-aware about what they're doing and then going like, "Hey, we know this is stupid, but we're doing it anyway." Yeah, you've you've yeah. you've famously said in the past, AJ, that um, stopped. <laughs> it's so famous <laughs> that, um, that like admitting something is dumb doesn't make it not dumb. Yeah, no, I agree that I I still stand by that. Yeah, I don't remember saying that famously or anything. But. Well, no, yeah, but like we've in the past we've spoken, so maybe just privately. Um, <laughs> but about how like admitting a joke is bad or racist doesn't make what you said not bad or racist or whatever. For sure, and I think that that can be the case sometimes. Sometimes it is. Like, I've read it in screenwriting books that like if you acknowledge an illogical thing. Uh, it actually cuts the audience off at the past so that they can't call the movie out for it. Mm. Um, and I, I think, I think it's a delicate balance. I think it's more when it's 
when the whole movie is full of stuff like that. Like Seth MacFarlane is an example to me of someone who constantly undermines his own jokes by admitting that they're bad or dumb. And it's it's not acceptable after a while. Whereas I feel like that was the only joke in Deadpool 2 that was kind of like that. So Right. So hey. ultimately disappointing. Okay. Um, no. Better than the first one. Good movie. Liked it. On par with the first one. Um, okay. Uh, next one. Quick one. Did you guys see Ocean's 8? Yes. Um, yep. So w- when people asked me what I thought of Ocean's 8, I was like, if you were to list every single film of all time in, in order of quality, this would be in the middle. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Like, it's the most 5 out of 10 movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, like, it's, sure. it's it's the perfect, not, like, it's fine, but not good, not it's bad. It's the perfect that happened movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was a lot of that happened in 2018. Yeah. yeah I can tell you them. Because 2016. <laughs> I've got my list here in the middle. I've like, got Ocean's 8, no, okay, Tag. No. <laughs> Rampage, Tom Brader, Mamma Mia, all of these movies are like, oh, yeah. they're all next to next to Ocean's 8 in the ranking of yeah. every movie ever. But like, so on my list of the year, it, it sits pretty low because I, did, I saw more good films than bad this year. But um, yeah, it's like, it's just fine. Like, there, which, there's, which- there's some really good stuff in it. There's, it's weird because there's some good stuff in it. There's not a lot of like bad stuff, but there's just like, and it's I think f- that, that's, that's something that really frustrated me because I like a lot of the actresses that were in this film. I think they they do really good work and they are fascinating and entertaining screen presences. Yeah, and but I feel you like didn't they think deserved, they were pretty in this film, so you hated it? With, no, I just feel like they deserved a better movie to be in. And especially when you're going yeah, yeah. like, you're taking an iconic kind of male franchise like Oceans. And the whole point, I think, of doing Oceans 8 is like, ha, it's the girls' turn. Like, you can do three movies that has mainly men in it and we're going to flip it and like, we're going to do it just as good, if not better. And then it's like, actually, to be honest, out of the three, out of the four Oceans movies now, this would it's be fine, the actually. least entertaining movie for me. Um, out of or out of the modern yeah. out of the modern ones, and I'm like, I feel like this cast deserved better. Like they yeah. deserved a better movie. And I think if they make a, if they make the two sequels that they presumably want to make to, you know, have it bump up to to um, eleven, I think um, that you it's not like and you can't it's not like you can't make the next one really good. Yeah, because you've got this great talent involved. I do worry that. James the Corden ninth, is going to keep coming back. The ninth one will be James Corden. Um, <laughs> because he's kind of the only person that's like set up to be brought in. His entire character in that movie, you could take him out. He, he's and he like, fucking should. Yeah, they, they, he's introduced as like a, a problem with the plan and then they just buy him off or something. Yeah, should like, they just, know each other? Yeah, it's there. so stupid. Just oh. don't have him and in the movie. And why is it fucking James Corden? I hate James Corden. I think that like- He Jay- ruined Baby Shark. James Corden should be like now officially named as the like as the um what's the word I'm looking for the nemesis of Cop Popcher. Like Cop Popcher's <laughs> nemesis on the podcast is James Corden in to, everything um, he does. Explain he's, his. He's life. also in one of my favorite movies though, so I got I got to live with that. That's my cross oh, yeah. to bear. That's my burden. Begin again. He's, right. yeah, he's oh, in okay. Begin Again. Right. Not favorite from this year, but just favorite in general. Okay. No. Um, a next one. Um, that. Uh, AJ, you and I said this looks like shit, and Jeremy said there's no way this can be bad okay. because it has Chris Pratt in it. Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Jeremy, did you see it? 
I did see it. Okay, tell us why it was the best movie of the year. Okay, so I just want to I just want to re- <laughs> recover uh, my reputation a little bit in that I, re- I, re- I went back and listened to what I said. And at the beginning, I said, it's got Chris Pratt in it. There's no way it can be bad. And then you described more about what it was because I hadn't seen anything. I hadn't seen a trailer <laughs> or anything. And then at the end of all of that, I said, oh, no, that actually sounds terrible. So I love I love that, um, Richard, you listened back to our most anticipated. It seems purely so you can call us out. It's like <laughs> false predictions we made. And I don't buy into it, but Jeremy does. Jeremy's like, oh, i got to go listen to it as well. <laughs> so that I, I can defend myself. Nah, nah, AJ, like, I just go back and listen to it because I love listening to us. <laughs> yeah. I, I obviously, I obviously, my my opinions obviously changed after I saw the movies because they surprised me or disappointed me. But like, it seems like you guys are like, fuck, how do I defend this opinion uh, that I had before I? <laughs> yeah, well, knew more, more than anything, like it is really interesting to know what we thought of a movie before seeing it. Sure. Like the fact yeah. that you were like, yeah, I really don't care about Black Panther, and it ended up being like one of your favorite <laughs> movies of the year for sure. That's that's interesting. I'm not ashamed of that though. Yeah. <laughs> that's not something I'm ashamed of. It's just a cool um, little thing that happened. Yeah. So, um, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Um, the, the the thing that's like uh, we we talked about this off pod, AJ, but like it's it's quite a nuanced thing that even like non filmy people picked up on is that this is a really well directed bad movie. <laughs> like yeah. J.A. Biona is a is a great director. Um, but Colin Trevorrow is a fucking horrendous scriptwriter. Like <laughs> we could talk for hours about why this film was dumb, but I mean, mm. I don't know. Do we want to just talk about like the the worst things about it? Yeah, the, I think the three worst things about it for me were the fact that they actually got all they got the whole gang back together somehow to get back onto that island yeah and yeah. it was just like the the reasons for them getting back on the island the reasons for her like being still like passionate about saving that it's just it just didn't make any sense mm-hmm. the whole thing about basically the guy second of all the whole thing about the guy using the old man's money to create like an entire um under underground like cage for the dinosaurs and like a whole market to bid on them and the fact that all of the rich people actually felt that they had to come sit in the room with the dinosaurs like with these basically these weapons of mass destruction in order to buy them i think is just the stupidest concept ever that doesn't fly in like real world thinking at all (laughs) and then the last one was that this little girl who was basically she was a clone also cloned felt an affinity with the cloned dinosaurs such that she almost like had this like telepathic need to let them free into the world it's just like no you're a stupid little girl that's one of the dumbest decisions i've ever seen in a movie because and again because being a clone doesn't mean anything yeah they're you're, alive you're not, like also, me. You're not part di- dinosaur. Yeah, like you're you're a fully formed person who happens to be a clone. There's no. If, I I I say this as someone who isn't a clone, but to <laughs> me, it's, it's like you. It's not the same as like if they were of if they were both dinosaurs. If they were both like a marginalized sector of society the little girl wasn't marginalized um, and the dinosaurs don't really know they're marginalized yeah. like it's what? it's it's so it's such a dumb it's a dumb 
um movie. thing to write that yeah it's a dumb movie that that she feels an affinity for other for clones of a different species it's almost like colin trevero wanted that moment to be blue making the decision whether or not to yeah. like follow yeah. chris pratt's instructions not to open the door or to like go no my dinosaur brethren yeah but then they were like ah shit we can't really make a we can't figure out a way to get blue into this room so let's just make the clone girl do it yeah well that, that's actually nando v movies did a video about like his fix for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is Blue should have pushed the button. Right. Um, which is like, it makes so Fixes much the whole sense. movie. There's some of the dumbest things in that movie for me. One, the whole question of the film was like, should we save these dinosaurs? The answer is just no. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a moral quandary. It's just let them die. Like, if evolution already did this to them once. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting question to ask. Then they answered it, and I was like, oh, don't answer it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they answer it with a definitive, no, they deserve to live. But I was like, first of all, you're disagreeing with Jeff Gold, with um, Ian Malcolm, who, who at the start of the movie, his only cameo says, we should let them die. So already, like, you are going against the character that you can guarantee audiences are identifying with as they walk into the theatre. Yeah. But also, it's like, it's a moral quandary that a movie like this shouldn't answer they should pose it and show the the i guess the both sides but i don't think there should have been a definitive yeah they deserve to live and take over the world which is the the movie we wanted to make anyway but we've got to put this fucking sequel in there to bridge the gap from dinosaurs on an island to dinosaur apocalypse yeah i just i just going into it, i was like a there's no way you'd go back to the island b just let them die but then i think it's because they were they did they knew they were being taken off the island and that's the why they wanted to go there or something like that. Yeah, I I, I stand by my my um what I said um last year that um it should have been all new characters. Get the, Chris Pratt is bankable, but get the next bankable person. They, they should have had just the, the the cool millennials that were there. Get another yeah. Chris. <laughs> get, yeah, you've got so many Chris's. You've got so many just hot Chris's. Choose a different one. Get a Christine. Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Get a <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the final thing I'll say about this though is the one. I think the other thing that really frustrated me about this is turning turning a Jurassic Park movie into essentially a hunting through the house horror, like a haunted house movie. Yeah. Like it's it's just a bad bad way to use dinosaurs. Because honestly, I'm sorry, but if you have a dinosaur hunting humans through a house, the dinosaur is just going to fuck things up. Like it's, it's di- we get like the the raptor, the Indoraptor, like tears through this middle um staircase like it's you know newspaper and then she hides in a dumb waiter which is essentially like a small piece of wood covering her and this and it's sprinting full force <laughs> down and it goes ow my head i guess i'll try something else it's like no you'll be ripped to shreds yeah like- to to mildly defend the jurassic park and a haunted house scenario <laughs> Which is a phrase you you did not know you were going to say for today. If you're in that writer's room and they're like, right, let's change things up. Let's do Jurassic Park, but let's do it with a different subgenre coloured over it. Mm. I'd go, that's a great idea. Then the first person goes, what about a haunted house? I'd go... No, what? What, anybody, what, what about? What about a underwater? <laughs> you know, like, Jurassic like I'd waters, move past, oh, Jurassic waters, man. Um, I would move past 
haunted house because no to to defend jurassic waters which was my i famously said was my continue the franchise for jurassic park when we did it on film franchise fortnights the opening of jurassic world fallen kingdom is this dope scene where they're trying to outrun a a water dinosaur that's the movie make that movie man make that with submarines like literally make like a submarine horror like u571 or something like that that would be so good if the whole movie was water-based and called Jurassic Waters. Yeah. Um, but there's... Yeah, yeah. I think, like, a couple of, like, quick, like, quick, dumb things on this movie that, like, just shows how stupid it was is, like, they... Um, the whole... When they're having the auction, there's, like, the, the greedy billionaire who's selling them off. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, so it's, it's the last of its kind, whatever. Um and it's like five million dollars. And he's like, fuck. And they're like, no, stop the auction. He's like, like five million. Like we have to loot this run. That's so much money. And it's like, <laughs> like footballers are like sold between clubs for like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And this is the last dinosaur in existence. <laughs> and they're like 50 million dollars. And it's like, no, like these are worth so much more than that. It's such an arbitrary decision. You could change that in the. You could ADR more money yeah. into the final cut of that film after, but they <laughs> they like- chose to go with that price. They were like, "Yes, that's how much it costs," and no one along the production was like, "Why don't we make it cost?" triple they really, they really missed the beat not having like an austin powers like crossover and like dr yeah. was like one million dollars <laughs> oh, so yeah. man this is a real real dumb movie but um i think with the haunted house thing as well just my final comment then we'll move on is like the haunted house thing it seemed like they were trying to replicate the raptors in the kitchen from the first one yes like stretch that yeah. out to being half the movie sure and it's yeah. like that's not inherently a bad idea because that is like the best scene of the franchise um but and I think J.R. Biona did what he could. Like, he created tension. There's some really great visual stuff in there. Um, but, yeah, there's also it also has one of the, like, um, shit all over the original things. Because there's a, one, one of my favorite scenes in Fallen Kingdom was when you see the Brachiosaur dying as they pull away. And it's, it wants to get on the boat, but it, it, it gets covered by the smoke and eventually dies. Um, and then afterwards, they're like, yeah, that's the first dinosaur you see in Jurassic Park. It's that it's supposed to be that same one, and it's like, oh, okay, well, thanks for killing that. <laughs> um, all right, next film, another one. <laughs> We've got so much to talk about. Um, Incredibles two. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I thought that I thought it was great. Um, it didn't. It didn't do as well as I think I wanted it to, which is interesting because I almost have nothing bad to say about it. Um, in my 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 ranking of movies this year, it sits it sits quite depressingly at number eleven, so just missing out on my mm. my top ten. Um, I thought Incredibles two was amazingly as good as the first one in every way except for the villain. And if they had a better villain, I think I would have enjoyed yeah. this movie immensely. Yeah, Syndrome's a, a, a lot more. Yeah. Um I I think it was interesting cuz what you said AJ at the very beginning you were like I'm not interested in a sequel that just takes over from the underminer and just goes right along the same timeline as the first one. I want to see right. where they are like a few years down yeah, the track. Yeah, I, I I said I'd be disappointed if there's not a time jump. Yeah, and and so and I was just like oh that's really interesting cuz that's literally exactly what they did. They took over the second after the movie finished the first movie finished and I do think it was a poorer movie for that. Uh, I don't know because who who was the 
was it Brad Bird who said mm. like if you age them up, it's just a movie about superheroes, whereas the point of The Incredibles is that it's a superhero family. Yeah. And I think there is some merit to that. I think you still could have maybe skipped a couple years, but yeah, yeah. I, I think the uh, like it could have been an interesting story. Maybe not age them because it's been so long, but do the like emptiness kind of story, which bow the short film before it actually um explored but like the you've got violet maybe violet's moving off to college and it's like mm. they're leaving but they're a family of superheroes like yeah. all that, that being be really said i still thought this was a fantastic movie yeah, it's I really so weird. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. But i just like i got in my head that i really liked the idea of a time jump yeah. and then not having always a little bit disappointing but Eh, it's all good and yeah it was a good movie the, the, i think it'll I, it'll definitely win best animated feature at the oscars but at 100 percent does not deserve it and i, we'll get I think to that later on. the the thing i will say about it is just i think that it again has a very sympathetic villain um the very sympathetic idea behind the villain like you know everyone's too obsessed with their screens um it's, yeah, it's, it's 1960 and everyone's on their phones all the time yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well like you know it's, it's it's one of those things where it's actually using the villain to make a comment about what is actually not good about our society at the moment and mm. the villain is trying to use villainous means to prevent the that and so I, yeah i thought the villain was really dumb and i think introducing only two new characters and then make one of them like the fact they made the one of them like obviously the villain, and so it's like okay, it's obviously the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah. So I, th- I thought that was that was pretty silly. And again, I keep talking about it, but Nando V Movies has a great um, video. I've about- actually seen this this Nando V Movies video, and watching it <laughs> made me depressed because I was like, that would have made this maybe the best Pixar film. Like the the yeah, changes it's, he suggests. It's- it's basically just rewriting the villain reveal monologue. Right. Um, and it's so much better. Wow. Check it out. Um, it's called Rewriting Screen Slayer. Yeah, guys, why are you even listening to this podcast anymore? You should just be watching Nando V movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, it, it's basically just slightly changes the motivations. So, it works really well. Okay, next we had Ant-Man and the Wasp. Jeremy, you only watched this last night, didn't you? Watched it last night. Um, I saw a comment on Reddit like two days ago that was like, it's fun, but the stakes have never been lower. And it's like, that's the perfect description for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, coming um, off Avengers Infinity War, it was yeah, a bit of a weird... It's kind of sad when the best part of a film is it's like mid-credit sequence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that that's what everyone came out of the film being like, fuck, that mid-credit sequence. That was awesome. What was the mid-credit oh, sequence? Oh, did you not see it? No. <laughs> oh, <it's> like- <laughs> um so it was like 1 30 in the morning and i was like okay, ah this movie's so finally over thank they've goodness they've got like a, a van that has a portal into the quantum tunnel uh, to the quantum realm in it and um michelle pfeiffer's like okay we, we need to get quantum particles to you know power whatever and she's like okay st- like be careful in there stay away from time vortexes um anyway and you get and so scott goes in there and he's talking to the walkie talkies and he's like all right guys okay i'm ready to come out now and they're like all right starting extraction in three Two, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, very funny, guys, guys, guys," and it cuts back to outside the van, and Hank, Hope, and Janet have all been dusted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and so, and then also, there's like a post-credit scene, which is just the ant playing at his apartment, but it's like the camera like pans in from like the street, and you see like the the um, TVs on like the emergency broadcast signal, and the ants just playing drums, and that was kind of I really liked that because that's the first post-snap world we've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I really liked that. But the yeah. the um 
what I I liked I liked Ant Man and the Wasp fine like you know nothing really yeah. bad to say about it and I thought it was interesting how um, one thing I've I've said about Marvel before and what I think is really interesting is that whenever someone starts to complain about something Marvel's doing the next movie changes it like people were complaining they were too samey and then we got um, uh, we got. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Thor Ragnarok, which were all, I felt anyway, quite different and and what we'd seen Mm. up until that point. And then people were complaining about how the villains are all boring. And then we got Vulture, Killmonger, and Thanos. And then in this one, the villain is kind of ghost. Like, she's kind of the villain. And I thought it was interesting how this felt more token the way they made her sympathetic like i could see the the mathematics taking place to make a sympathetic villain whereas with killmonger and thanos it felt genuine whereas this was too manufactured yeah it felt because the thing is that one thing i did like about this movie is that it's kind of the spider-man thing it's like your local neighborhood spider-man like you know the stakes are personal you know like Mm -hmm. we've got to get i've got to get my mum back out of the quantum and yeah, I, I think the first Ant Man did that better, though. To be fair, right? And the, the, I haven't the, seen it. Yeah, see, the, the final <laughs> battle, like this, long term, the stakes of the world are at, like the world is at stake. But the final battle takes place in his daughter's bedroom, and it's like you're worried for his family, not for the entire world. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, like, and that came right off the back of Age of Ultron, yeah. which was like, I'm going to drop the city on the world and destroy <laughs> the world. It's like, okay, it's not going to happen because it's such a stupid plan. But um, and so that was almost like the you know, the reactive thing of like, you can't keep putting the world at stake because you know they're going to fix it. Whereas yeah, yeah. like when when it's taking place like in his daughter's bedroom, then you're worried about it. Um, but Ant-Man and the Wasp, I had a similar issue to what I had at Suicide Squad where it was like um, the third act began and I was like, all right, they better hurry up to get, if they're going to get to the third act by the time this movie finishes. And I was like, oh wait, this just is the third act. Because it's <laughs> like the, the final battle in- ant-man of the wasp is like a, a chase is like a driving race through town yeah, yeah yeah um and in suicide squad they only go on one mission and i and i was waiting for the that first mission to fail so that they could learn something and then go on their second mission as a team yeah um and so it was a similar kind of thing where i was like when is this race going to stop so they can have the big fight which you know just because you understand that's how movies always happen so i mean it's kind of good that there wasn't some big punching battle at the end of it mm. um but at the same time, I was just like, oh, okay, so this is just what we're getting. Yeah. The thing, the one thing I took out of Ant-Man and the Wasp is that Paul Rudd is great. And his flavor of humor actually comes through regardless of how bad the writing is in the rest of the yeah. film. I think he helped with the script on this one. There's a few, there's quite a few places where you can tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I, I actually just really enjoyed how there's just like a tonal disconnect between like there's really really massive things going on like in the bit where like his his cell phone's going off while like they're all they're all tied up and it's mm. like his daughter and it's like oh it's an emergency like i just i kind of liked that undercutting of like the seriousness of right, the yeah. situation and it worked because paul rudd was doing it yeah whereas i think if it was another movie another actor i wouldn't have liked it yeah they they dumbed down the character of scott quite a lot though because right. like he, he was supposed to be he's really clever in the first one um, but then I guess by the end of the first one, it's kind of like, oh, he, he is smart, but he's now entered a world he knows nothing about. Yeah. So he's a dumb in comparison. Whereas this one's just like, he's just a goofball. Yeah. Uh, which is like, you know, you're playing to the strengths of Paul Rudd. Um, so I don't really complain about that. Yeah, He's but- a character from the hangover who's wandered into the MCU, yeah. which is a good idea. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, another movie I think you were quite anticipating uh, that you and I both saw, not together, um, but Skyscraper. Who, who are you talking to right now? Not you. So <laughs> okay. I was yeah, I was pointing at Jeremy <laughs> visually. Um, yeah. Thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah, Jeremy, what did you think of it? You've you hinted before that you didn't really like it. Well, it's interesting because I was I I I think am quite famous for saying that I'll go see anything <laughs> that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in, um, and I did, but I actually didn't. I only saw this in preparation for this pod because I realised oh, really? that I needed to. Because when it when it came out in the theaters, there was just such like really lukewarm press about it even from people who are normally like in on the Dwayne the Rock yeah, Johnson yeah, joke which yeah. I kind of like to say like that you know people who love the Fast and the Furious movies who loved San Andreas who are like yeah this is great it's just good popcorn movies that were like ugh yikes skyscraper is yeah. a stinker and um I so I didn't I didn't bother going to spend money on it at the theaters I waited until it was on my computer screen um and yeah I totally get why everyone was like, yeah, yeah. It really does feel like, it doesn't feel like a movie that The Rock really was into or had the same level of enthusiasm about making. It just is, it's just like, it's a compilation of like uh, beats from better movies. I was listening to someone talk about this and they were talking about the fact that like, you know, there's a scene where, like the Tom Cruise scene from um, Mission uh, from Mission Impossible, where he like is literally scaling the outside of the Burj Khalifa, um, and you know, there's a scene where The Rock is like scaling and like walking around on the outside of this building that's supposed to be taller than it, but it just has a no weight to it at all. There's no mm. sense of actual danger or the fact that he's actually up there. Um, yeah. And like you know, he scales an entire crane within like ten minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, that. like That's a so three hound, a three hundred pound man is like pulling himself up with his arms, and I don't care how many muscles you have in your arms. Like you cannot pull yourself up by your arms that high. Like you look at like CrossFit games, and like even those athletes who are like super lean couldn't do that in ten minutes. And it's just like ah, this is where my this is where my you know ability Speech to suspend disbelief. disbelief just leaves. it's where yeah. you draw the line. Um. Yeah, like I went to go see this movie in the cinema. I'm not going to tell a story of how I got there, but um, <laughs> I um, this strange little man came up to me and was like, "Hey, would you like to go to the movies?" <laughs> and I was like, "AJ, what do you think?" I um, have a question for you. <laughs> but, I, was, um, I was just wondering if you wanted to go see Skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I I went to go see this, and I, I saw it with Jess, and I was like, "Let's just like be fully on board with this film. Let's like." force ourselves to laugh when you're supposed to laugh which i've done at movies before with like dumb comedies it's like if you laugh when there's a joke when the, you can tell there's a joke you enjoy you end up enjoying the film more and i was like i was like cackling at some point so this not necessarily at like the parts you're supposed to laugh in but um i had a great time at this movie and i feel like i was the only person in the cinema that did as well <laughs> like there was some bits i was like cracking up and like no one else was laughing but um Spoilers for Skyscraper, just because it's like the funniest thing in the movie. Um, so at the start, um, Nev Campbell, who decided to like make her big comeback into mainstream movies with this one for some reason, um, is having trouble with her iPad and Dwayne The Rock Johnson's like, oh, baby, just got to turn it off and on again. That always fixes it. And then how do they solve the problem, the entire movie's problem, is they turn the skyscraper off and on again. And it's so funny. Really? It's I didn't so know that. funny. Yeah. So, and like, because the, the whole thing is, thing is, like, there's a fire rising throughout the building and the, um, 
the like uh you know flame retardant system is is turned off and she manages to turn it off and on again and it's like because you know using an ipad yeah in interviews um the rock's like oh you know we've got like great female characters in this she's not just like the wife she like kicks ass as well because she she solves the the problem of the film but um after being denigrated by her husband for not knowing how to turn off (laughs) turn her ipad off and on again at the beginning of the film my other favorite thing is so that the fight takes place in like a essentially like a hall of mirrors so there's like heaps of different versions of you and so it's the scene starts where the bad guy is facing away from the rock and the rock says like oh turn around i'm i'm over here and he so he turns around starts talking to the rock and then he's like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. And then the rock reveals, no, I'm actually behind you and like kicks him into a hole. And it's like, he was facing that way to begin with. <laughs> like he would have seen you. Also, it's, it's, no, so no, funny. it's not just the scene. You, like I can believe that, you know, through the power of the hall of mirrors, you can be completely confused visually. But if someone is literally standing in front of you and says to you, turn around i'm behind you the sound is not going to be coming from behind you <laughs> yeah. it's going to be coming from the person who's talking to you right in front of you yeah. it's like the mirrors don't work with sound they yeah. just work with sight but like because they're like they're like screaming at each other across this like pit that drops down the entire skyscraper but the rock the whole time is like you know two feet behind him um so it's like he would have been facing being able to reach out and put his hand on the rock because he's able to just like kick him without oh, imagine being in that position. Um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's such a good movie. A boy can dream. It's like this is like watch with friends <laughs> and like yeah, and and just and be prepared to have a great time, yeah. and you will. It's just like the level of destruction of that skyscraper by fire. Like I'm sorry, but like you can't just. It got to a point where it is not going to make everything okay just by actually getting rid of the fire like once mm. even even turning the fire systems back on at the end of the movie the rock and his daughter are still going to be in huge peril to yeah. try and get them out oh also just, the um the trailer for this film has the scene where like so he's he's there as like a security consult to like check check the building and um they go oh so like then the trailer's like what did you think of the security and he's like you've built this like giant city blah blah blah, and with it you've brought every single possible security risk and then it's like oh but what do i know i'm just a glorified security guard that scene in the movie plays out like this what did you think of the security yeah it's fine yeah (laughs) like he's like yeah no it's good i just have to check one thing and um Thumbs yeah, up. just get this iPad across town. Sweet. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. They, they never says anything about the security risks of the place. Um, so that's Skyscraper. Um, now, we're in Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Jeremy, you gave a massive speech about how against this film you were, but then said, hilariously said, but I'm going to go see it. So what did you think? I, I didn't famously say that, just hilariously. Um yeah, I I did not see this movie. <laughs> like, okay. I did. I did see Why? this movie. Why? Why did you see this movie? There's a story. There's a story. Um, I went on a date to this movie. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. Because Are you still she, seeing each other? She, no. She wanted to see it. And I was like- This is a bad well, I sign. Guess, <laughs> I guess this is it for me. Um. And I went, and a couple thoughts about the movie. One, I think if I'd seen it with a more interactive audience, I would have enjoyed it more. My audience was very subdued, and I feel like this is the type of movie that is made enhanced by people like... Singing along. It is enhanced by your mum getting up into the aisles to like dance along with mm. the song. 
And I'm like, oh, get down, mum. But I secretly think it's really You love Julian. You love her dancing. (laughs) Um, But the the biggest thing, spoilers for Mamma Mia, here we go again. (laughs) Here we go. Do you guys know that Meryl Streep's character is dead in it? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that till it started. Um, I didn't know that until I like saw the trailer at, yeah. like, at like a movie. And I was like, yeah. the fuck? She's dead. And everyone's like, yeah, everyone knows that. So she's yeah. dead in it and no one else is dead. So already we're starting with like this tragic <laughs> premise where like, you know, all her, all the guys who are the same age as her are still alive and well. But does um, she die of old age? Well, I don't know how she died, but it's still like, it's not like it's- 10 years later and it's a new story and the you know the the, right, yeah. the role model has has died uh, you know passed on it's like a tragic death i guess i can't remember how she dies ex- exactly but um um and so the movie is coupled with the younger version of her character as well um and so you get to really kind of as much as you can be be invested in her character and then come back to the grim reality of the present where she prematurely died um but then at the end of the movie, when um, Amanda Seyfried is baptizing her kid, she's doing some like mon- mo- you know momentous thing that the whole movie's been building up towards, and um, the like ghost of her mum is there, and it's Meryl Streep who you've you know you've been growing that with. You've um, heard of, yeah, you've heard of her. Um, but the 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 version of her you've been seeing the whole movie has been played by um, Lily James. Right. And so this is the first time Meryl Streep is actually in person in the film. And it's the best scene in the film because it's Meryl Streep. It's the best scene of 2018. <laughs> it's, because like it's, one, it's like the one uh, the one day of shooting they could afford yeah, to pay her to be ex- back for the film. <laughs> it's funny you should say that, Jeremy, because I, I did some digging because I was like, why would you not include Meryl Streep in Mamma Mia 2 or include her as little as possible? And you might think, oh, they couldn't get her back or whatever. It was a creative decision to not wow. have her in it. Meryl wow. Streep talked about it with the director and they thought it was best for the film that the character had died. No, it's not best for the film because Meryl Streep is the greatest actress alive and you <laughs> made a decision to not include her in your sequel that doesn't need to exist and the only reason it's, it should need to exist is to see more Meryl Streep having fun as that character. Well, it's it's really weird to do a, a sequel and essentially not include your protagonist. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird movie, dude. <laughs> it's a very weird movie. Right, and also, um, Shia plays her the grandmother, and she's like three years older than Meryl Streep. And isn't she there for like ten seconds in the movie? Ah, uh, she's there. She has like a song and dance and stuff, but it's yeah, like, and then she released an album of um, ABBA covers. Yeah, yeah. But also, just bringing bringing it back to how. How depressing it is that this character is dead. The fact that her like estranged mother has lived past her is who's just like a- at least fourteen years older than her. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. There's the follow up to the Mamma Mia. Here we go right. again. Um, okay, another film. Uh, I mean, uh, Jeremy, we'll just get your thoughts on this because uh, what is soon to be our second longest podcast is about um, <laughs> Mission Impossible, and we spoke about Fallout. At great length, but um, Jeremy, you were very cold on this when we were talking about it and anticipated. Did you see it? No, I was not cold on it. Really? Not at all. No, I love. Oh, no, oh, no you, you, you're like you like them in spite of yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I don't Cruise, like Tom right. Cruise until I actually go see his movies, and then I'm like, ah, oh, Tom Cruise, you've done it again. <laughs> and to be honest, here we go again. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mission Impossible, here we go again. Like, he definitely <laughs> did it again. Like, Fallout was a great movie. It's probably the probably most- the best one. Well, 
Yeah, like it was really, really good. And yeah, I think I thought that the interplay between him and Henry Cavill, it was really great to have like, I thought that just that whole relationship was really good. There was great chemistry. Like Tom Cruise is a chemistry machine. He manages to produce chemistry with absolutely anyone he's on screen with, except for romantic chemistry. He cannot and have romantic chemistry. And that's paradoxically what's creepy about him is that he's this inhuman thing who can be so human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I just, I just had, I, again, Mission Impossible franchise. I had a really good time. I have almost zero complaints. I have no complaints that I can remember. Yeah, it's um, a the, great I, I think the only thing well. that, that frustrated about me about the movie was that they had this and you listen to uh, there's like a seven hour podcast with Chris McQuarrie um, the Empire podcast which I fully recommend anyone who's interested in making like blockbuster movies listens to because he just literally goes through like beat by beat talking about how they got to the decisions around all the everything they did in the whole movie it's amazing Um, but the thing that really frustrated me about the movie, and it's really interesting to to hear about how it came about, the helicopter chase at the end. Once you put two character, two human beings into helicopters, and you and they're chasing, you just go like the only way this can end is like one of them like runs out of petrol and gives out gives up and and lands the helicopter, and then they have like a fight scene, mm. or. You have to have like there's no way that one character can jump between yeah. helicopter to helicopter to like continue this in person. You have to crash the helicopters together. Mm. And I'm sorry, but a helicopter crash is just only ever going to end in the fiery death of all the people in the helicopters. Like I just didn't believe that like they could both end up being alive after crashing helicopters. Uh, so yeah, I-, I bought it though. I think, but um, yeah, I. I- it's interesting because I loved the idea that the Mission Impossible franchise has different directors all the time. But to about Chris McQuarrie having done the last two, I'm quite happy for him to just take the reins of the franchise now yeah. because he, him and Tom Cruise seem to have this like simpatico relationship where they're just perfect for each other. They work so well together. Yeah. So just just let him do it. And because he seems like they push each other to be better. Tom Cruise has these crazy ideas and Chris is, knows how to execute them. Totally. Yeah, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout is number ten on my list. So nice. Yeah, it was the in my top, top of my top ten. So it was Black Panther. Black Panther's number eight. I didn't mention that when we talked about no, Black nice. Panther. Uh, all right, a film. I think only you saw AJ the Predator. Yeah, man. Um, hey, look, Shane Black directed this. Shane Black directed um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, one of my favorite movies of all time. Directed Iron Man three, which I maintain is a good movie um and directed the nice guys which is another really good movie and the predator is like easily his worst movie um however i i've contemplated re-watching it and doing a video on it because i think there's a director's vision hidden in that studio assimilated mess right and that that vision is about weaponized autism that's what the movie's about, isn't that? Oh Did you know that, gosh. Jeremy? Yeah. That the, the Predators want um, to kidnap the main character's son because he has autism and that's the next stage of human evolution. Shit. Imagine pitching that as a joke and that <laughs> being what's in the film. Um, yeah, this is pretty bad. Easily one of the worst movies of the year. Um, Would it be disappointing or... No, because it's Shane Black. Yeah, yeah, in a way, I guess so. Yeah. So I this would be like your dis- most disappointing from like all time expectations to going to see sure, it. Sure. Like we knew when going I, in, it would be bad. Yeah. When I heard Shane Black was directing the next Predator movie, I was like, cool, good yeah. idea. And this nice. is what we got. Um. Uh. So we had 
um bunch that we're skipping over if, you, if you're like listening along to the two podcasts um but i just want to point out it was funny aj you and i had a big discussion about whether Ghostbumps 2 was called horrorland or slappy's revenge like which title came first and which one it would be renamed to it was then called haunted halloween so we ended up both being wrong which was yeah. fun that's the, that's always the best result i think yeah um uh, so another big movie we were all super excited for, said it was going to be one of the best movies of the year, is First Man, uh, the Damien Chazelle, um, Neil Armstrong biopic. This probably, this gets my award for most disappointing film that I still really liked. Like, it's still good, but I was disappointed in it. Yeah, And I, I think maybe it's just because I was expecting this to be the best film of the year and there was just something about it that didn't fully grab me. Like every, like I, I almost don't have any, I can't like list any flaws, but there was just something about it that didn't quite get me. It was, it's a very, it's a very cold movie. Like it's Mm. not presented as, it's not like a inspirational biopic because the character we're following is very shut off to his emotions. Mm. Um, I I think I need to watch it again, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like the moon landing scene. I understand where you're coming from. So yeah, the, the moon landing scene is like one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah, like, the, the, everything, everything on the moon yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, and um, I agree yeah. with that. And I also say that the moon landing and the Neil Armstrong story, like before Jeremy, when we were talking about um, a futile and stupid gesture, you mentioned how um, it's always interesting to see the, a story you've kind of known a little bit of be put on screen. I feel like this is one of the best examples of that for me personally to like, mm. I've always been so fascinated by moon landing stuff, but never really took the time to learn about it. And while this is a fictionalized retelling, it's still like it cleared up a lot of stuff. And it was just, I I think that's what kept me hooked was that it's so yeah. fascinating yeah. to watch the whole time just out of interest. And then, it, then when he gets to the moon, it is absolutely breathtaking. It's breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just tells you exactly how they were able to fake the moon landing with cinematography. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's um, I, I like I, I I actually like the decision that this is the film is like the theme of it or like the character's arc is it's a guy coming to terms with the death of his daughter. Yeah. Right. It's not about someone going to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and for, I, I think I need to watch it again. Because thinking back to it, I'm like, I loved everything about it. Yeah. But like, yeah. Did you just it, it think just, it was going to be a, a certain type of like highly award-winning movie? Yeah, but because like, even like its award steam has died down. Like it's not really in the conversation for Oscars anymore because if, like, it came out a little bit earlier and everyone kind of forgot about it. And, if, and I did see a lot of comments that people were like, yeah, it was good, but it just didn't quite grab me. And I don't know why. That's interesting because you really like Damien Chazelle, Richard. Yeah, I do. Um, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I and loved I'm, La La Land. I'm not, I'm not big on Damien Chazelle, like hot or cold either way. Um, nor am I hot or cold on Whiplash and La La Land. I just didn't really, didn't really resonate with me. Um, but First Man for me is his best film. As someone who's not as like re- respectfully as someone who's not as invested as you, mm. Richard, in his filmography, I felt like this is the one I immediately enjoyed the most. Yeah, and. Yeah, yeah, I, I can respect that. Um, yeah, it, it, I I need to watch the watch the space because I'm going to watch it again mm. at some point. Uh, all right, next we had uh, Mowgli. The yeah. um, it's, it's just called Mowgli. It doesn't have a subtitle. I think so. 
Yeah. Probably uh, Legend anyway, of the Jungle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, this was Andy Serkis's, um the, you know, what do you call it? Motion Jungle Capture. Book. Uh, Jungle Book. Uh, didn't get very good reviews. No. AJ, what did you think of it? Um, I walked out of this film and it's on Netflix. <laughs> I cancelled my Netflix subscription no, midway I, through. I started watching it and it was just so boring. And so we shut it off. Um, I think part of that is to do with the fact that the Jungle Book episode of Film Franchise Fortnites is one of my least favourite episodes of our podcast. <laughs> and you can say that because no one will have listened to this podcast long enough no, to hear that. No, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think I associate bad memories with Jungle Book now. And so jumping back into that world is just kind of miserable to me. Um, <laughs> the, the most interesting thing about this film is that they use motion capture to for the animals so all the animals have like this uncanny valley kind of human like baloo the bear looks like andy circus and bagheera the panther looks like christian bale and mm. Shere khan the tiger looks like benedict cumberbatch it's a good cast yeah it is i watched probably 20 minutes of this film and that's about as much you need to watch to fully be like oh it's cool that that motion capture stuff's kind of interesting Watch twenty minutes of it, then turn it off because it's not gonna. So it's like I a show. Like, it's like a show reel for what Andy yeah, Serkis yeah. can do. Mm. Yeah, and we there was a big discussion on on the last episode. We was it the most anticipated? Yeah, it would have been where we talked about Andy Serkis and you two had a wee argument about it. And I like Andy Serkis, but something about this feels very desperate. I think he's unhappy with his level of fame. I think he's unhappy with his level of notoriety and he wants to be better. Well, he wants he- to be known for being able to do more than what he's famous yeah. for doing. It's like it's like a, a musician who's sick of their own genre and yeah. they want to like move out into other genres. And everyone's like, nah, just keep mm. keep doing the genre we like you doing. Mm. Yeah, because the, the, he appeared in one of those GQ actor breaks down their most iconic roles video. Which you love. Well, I love those. Those videos are great, um, depending on the... I didn't finish the J-Lo one, but, you know, the, the Jeff Bridges one is great. Ethan um, Hawke's one's great. Ethan Hawke's one's great. I, and so the the Andy Circus one, I was like, yeah, of course, because Gollum and and Caesar, like, he's this is a character you'd want to see break down. And then there's ex- this extended part where he talks about his role in 13 going on 30. And I was like, oh, yeah, Andy Circus hasn't really been in much outside of his iconic like <laughs> who in their right mind is calling 13 going on 30 andy circus's iconic role you know yeah. i didn't even remember he was in it so it's yeah, like some of them they, they it's like they got like lucas hedges and it's like mm. dude you're too young for that like eddie redmayne has a really good one because he just seems yeah, like yeah. such a lad and he, it's really interesting because he addresses like the um the contra like controversy around him playing a trans person in um the danish, danish girl, girl. Um, and he also talks about um, how bad Jupiter Ascending was, which is real funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that movie was not bad. It was so bad. It was good. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting hearing. Like he's he's very candid in his, and I like it. And I, I love Ethan, Ethan Hawke's like my favorite actor. But hearing him talk about um, what was that? <laughs> I didn't. I could. I didn't really hear anything. Oh yeah, the- I think Siri just talked to me. <laughs> Um, what word did you say that sounded well, I, like- it picked up the whole candid sentence um <laughs> but yeah um ethan hawks one it's like so spiritual and he's like fully understands like everything what like jeremy's rolling his eyes at me but it's like it's it's so articulate and like why all these roles are important um okay next one was a big one this year one of the highest grossing films of the year surprisingly was venom mm. what really yeah Wow. Yeah, it came out this year. I watched Venom specifically for this podcast, oh, yeah. and I really wish I had. It made me wish I wasn't doing this podcast. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought I liked it. 
Really? Yeah, it was fun. I, I like it's it's Tom Hardy chewing scenery and chewing heads. It's about I put it just one point above the Predator for me. Um but it's one point above the Predator very intentionally because it's a, it's actually I was thinking about this at the time. It's actually a very similar film to the Predator. Like both are like like rehashed iconic villainous roles, right? Hmm. Um and I think that I the the one I I didn't think Venom was too bad. I definitely didn't think it was as bad as the critics exaggerated it was. Um, but the, its one saving grace is that I I bought into Tom Hardy. I was like, mm. yeah, he's he's really good in this. And there is a better movie that exists in the multiverse, which is Tom Hardy and his interplay with Venom. Because I thought I was like, that's something I can real get into. Is like this this um, reluctant nobody who's got this demon in him i think that's yeah really interesting i i, I but yeah I, again it wouldn't be a tom hardy film without a weird voice and he sounds like <laughs> a like a, a tiny tune um yeah. of alma fudd yeah <laughs> like i'm a reporter <laughs> i'm a reporter um the the best part of this film best scene of 2018 is when um venom explains his character arc and then resolves his character arc in one sentence at the end of the movie because he goes you see eddie i came to earth to kill everyone but then i fell in love with you and now i'm good and it's like what the hell why is this like <laughs> and just that's when the it's revealed that he came to earth to kill everyone yeah, yeah. i like i i really i so struggled with just the character of venom i just was like i don't um, I'm just not. I was on board with Tom Hardy as a human being. I was like, yeah, you're a good character, like you know. But like the whole Venom interplay and like, yeah. like Venom like wanting to eat things, but then not wanting to eat them because he didn't want to like. But then him like taking over Tom Hardy's body, but then for some reason caring about what Tom Hardy thought of him. I was just like, oh man, like if you're supposed to be a pro- any form of protagonist for the future of this like series. I am yeah. not on board because I there just- is very clearly a lot cut from the film. There's yeah. basically the the protagonist's whole story arc is basically cut from the film, as evidenced by that line at the end. Because you don't see him fall in love with Eddie, you know. Yeah. No, he well, just I, does. Like for me, the the most disappointing thing about this film is they introduce like I, I love the idea that. Um, Venom wants to stay on Earth because he's a loser on his planet. Like, he's a nerd on his planet. Yeah, yeah, And here he's real cool. And I was like, they sh- the whole film should have been about that. And, like, the whole, like, like a turd in the wind. Yeah. And Tom Hardy should have been like, that was real lame. And he's like, I thought it sounded cool. Like, yeah, yeah that, that been should awesome. have been like, because that would have, that would have fixed the line. Yeah. yeah. That it's like, this is a real nerdy like lame kids idea mm. of what sounds yeah, like a neck beard on the video yeah. planet yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that being said i can't remember why i thought this but when the turd in the wind line actually comes up i remember thinking it was better contextualized in the movie than what it looked like in the trailer mm. because it's like one of the last that. lines of the film yeah they show the whole fucking last scene in the trailer that's insanity that is just insane man yeah Ugh. Okay, guys, thank you very much for listening to this first, the first part of the the Ben-Hur of podcasts that is the most disappointing film, films of 2018. Um, and as I said before, the the uh, episode 
will be continued tomorrow with part two so tune in for that and thank you very much for listening if you like this if this was your first intro into cult pop show then please feel free to subscribe to us on youtube or um soundcloud or itunes uh find us on facebook give us a like follow us on twitter we're also on instagram or you can email us at coldpopsandmedia at gmail.com thank you very much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow